Oh, you got the the, the founder thing? Yes, uh, I, I, I should indeed. have it bookmarked somewhere as well. There we go. Thank you. And while you're all jumping onto that, obviously I've just started the stream. We are on session three of our vampire game where our coterie of Nadwells are exploring the depths of the World of Darkness version of Venice. Again, make sure I get the uh, the name of the city right and don't don't say the uh, the wrong one. But uh, yeah, last time we had you guys, you spotted a strange fellow sort of peeling a, a QR code off a wall. You guys went to investigate that. It was um, Franco and Sonia found him staying at the hotel and he appeared to be basically some big tech nerd who was trying to solve this this strange sort of puzzle, sort of GPS style puzzle thing that had been put online and he was going around collecting all this stuff. You guys basically robbed all of his stuff and left him, knocked him out and left him like this vaguely like threatening like we're watching you message and then pretty much just like left him like tied up in his hotel room and uh, went your separate way with all his uh, ill-gotten goods. We also had Aurelio travelled to a church where it was basically built as an extension and a sort of a, an honorific for those who died in the, the plague of 1575. And inside, although the, the bodies had long since been moved to a specially marked plot on the, the graveyard island of San Michel, there were lots of small statues depicting um, the sort of like dress and the the jobs etc that people would have done back in those days and they were all facing as though they were sort of filing in a, a silent non-moving line towards the statue of an angel with its arms held outstretched. Aurelio opening his senses to the spectral world that exists unseen all around us was almost knocked out by the the sheer amount of like psychic nous that was available in the church as virtually all of these statues served as a fetter or an anchoring device for one or more spirits. So Aurelio took one of the smallest statues, secreted it under his vestments, made his way off to his small private personal haven and we finished off with him conducting a ritual to summon the spirit that was connected to the statue. And that, the last thing we, we did in the session, if I remember correctly, is the, the shadows started to sort of get darker and a, a whispering voice issued forth from the shadows. And that is a pretty much straight away where we're going to pick up this evening's session. We're still on the same day, although it's getting fairly late now. It's the 2nd of January, 2012. That halcyon and mythical time, 2012. So, as I've said, you, you're in your personal haven, Aurelio. You've got all the black candles set up. You've shed your blood at the height of the ritual. The, the shadows seem to grow darker and take on a, a kind of strange, almost viscous and liquid-like consistency and you hear a, a bubbling whispering voice emerging out of the 
a patch of particularly deep darkness, saying, Who summons us? Who calls? Alrighty then, let me very quickly revise my uh, other ceremony that is sort of dovetailing directly onto the end of the other one. Um, yeah. That'd be compelled spirit by any chance? That yeah, that's that's the one that I'm yeah. looking at here. Yeah. So you're making an oblivion ceremony roll. This is the race yep. resolve plus composure. So I'm just going to pull up its stats for I do have them here. Give me a moment. Okay, wits. Right. Okay, so its wits plus resolve is five. Sorry, resolve composure, isn't it? Uh, sorry, I'll go. Uh, resolve composure, yeah. Um, or willpower if it doesn't have those stats, but. It definitely, it does, it definitely does have those stats. Yeah. So, so resolve yeah, we'll to make a, we'll composure make a, a two. Roll. So, yeah, so it's rolling oh. four of the king's so, finest dice. Yeah. Um, I'll put a bookmark in that. Okay, so I will roll four for the. This right, spectral so, creature. For me, it's Oblivion, Resolve. Okay, and then if I click this, it should do my bit. Well then! <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a messy critical. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nine. That is a very aggressive... Roll right there. So you have completed the task, but as we said previously, mm -hmm. there are unfortunate consequences. And I believe page 207 has a, a list of those consequences. I can't remember them off the top of my head yet. Yep, same. Uh, I need to get my, there we go. Get my PDF. Ma messy critical. So you can gain one or more stains from your monstrous action. You can breach okay. the masquerade. You can lose a dot from an advantage, or if none of the above conditions fit, you can just use to fail the, ro the roll, basically. Um, it will be stains uh, because of what will follow immediately, uh, or in the process of the ritual, because it's it's kind of a... Um, the ritual that I just concluded was, you know, it's the time-consuming, uh, I conduct the ritual, and then it's a waiting game, but now it's an active thing uh, that we'll get into describing immediately in the mm -hmm. aftermath. But I think uh, stains is definitely the, yep. the feel right free to drop a stain on your, your humanity. Yep. Uh, and then I'll. Uh, where's my? Uh, here we go. Gotta get my necromancy tome open there for future reference. Okay, so um, having then succeeded, indeed, and I got two successes, so effectively. Your you've got seven successes over me, yeah. so that means you can effectively ask for like seven tasks or like truthful answers from this. Uh, yeah, this and um, 
and it is a critical as well so yeah you can demand it any action best yeah it doesn't yeah. even because normally obviously as we're now looking yeah. at the rules this it's like moderate things mm. that it could do without yeah. inconvenience in itself but with a critical you can literally ask it anything and it will do its best mm -hmm. to achieve and carry out whatever all right so um the uh the voice uh and i think we were talking about dropping temperature as well which does go with the, uh, the the general idea of reaching across the shroud um um so aurelio having used the ritual dagger to you know pierce his skin and bleed on the the statue that serves as a fetter for this spirit mm. um uh grasps the the statue and using the ritual dagger uh, flips it into an ice pick grip and uh <laughs> just positions it over the uh the statue uh and um uh very sternly incants um uh, with or at least if i didn't mention it before um so he's medium for basically all the dark arts is latin okay. so he incants uh in latin a very strongly worded um command uh, into the air not presuming necessarily that the spirit will uh, understand but the spirit will understand the magic uh, and the um, the threat which uh, he switched to uh, switches to Italian for uh, and um, having uh, uttered the words of command in uh, the magical format in Latin um, just brings the dagger uh, very close to the statue and uh, switching to Italian says, you serve me now and I will not destroy the shackle that yet gives you existence. The, the slowly continuing to solidify shadow oozes its way off the wall to which it was attached with a a wet tearing sound like a a piece of ripe fruit being torn in half and it resolved itself into a a very tall thin-limbed figure entirely black and featureless with a sort of liquid look to it as though it was made out of tar or oil but an oil that doesn't seem to refract the light in the typical rainbow colours on the surface. Instead, it seems to absorb light into it as though it was a, a black hole of sorts or a void. As it moves forward, it has a, a long beak-shaped face that is a little more than a, a black blob with a long protuberance that puts you in mind of a, a large, monstrous crow or perhaps the, the, the plague doctors of yeah. your... It's... Its limbs appear rather like in the sort of slender man style. Its limbs appear far too long for it, and it lends it like a tall sort of shadow puppet look to this figure. It moves forwards and seems to briefly incline its face, for want of a better term, in your direction. And again, this whispered voice that doesn't seem to come directly from its mouth, it just seems to bubble up from somewhere deep inside this spectral creature says yes i will serve you for now 
speak your name, spirit. He says, we are those who were taken too soon by God. It's actually probably looking very, very strange because if, if it absorbs all the light, the, oh, admittedly there is not a lot because it's just my ritual candles, but it's literally a, an a black space yeah. because it, there's no definition outside of like the 2D when it moves. Yeah, and, it, and it's uh, rather yeah. like, you know, the, um, <laughs> you know, the pictures of black holes you see where you're not actually seeing the black hole. You're just sort of seeing the absence yeah. of all the light that's around it. It's very much like that. Yeah. When did God send you into the shadow? We were pulled down below the streets in the year of our Lord, 1575. Let's see if um, mm, 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 if my notes were saved because I was having a bit of trouble saving uh, input on my sheet last time for whatever reason. Um, maybe I was doing it wrong, but I definitely think I made a note about the thing that I was supposed to. Well, if it's something I can refresh you on, I'm quite oh, happy to. Here we go. Um, no, here we go. Okay, it, it, it did save. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Andrea Palladio? The architect. Of, of Venice. <laughs> yes. Of course. Even as many of us lay dying, he was already planning his great work of rebuilding. Did you participate in the great work? taken by then taken down below where all the dead is, of Venice go is your grave in the water below the city my grave I do not know but we are all below the city for that is where the dead walk Um, I think last time, because uh, I cannot control when the spirit shows up, John, mm -hmm. I think last time we established that it was basically taking up until the dawn. It's It, it took an hour. I, I would say you've, you've probably got maybe half an hour before you like mm -hmm. you start getting, yeah. like, oh, I'm getting tired now. I really need to like... Yeah, because I, I was about to ask, like, just let me know when I start um, yeah. falling asleep. Yeah, no <laughs> um, so... I say. <clears throat> Do you know of Aladio's work? What was your profession in life? We did many things. We knew of his work. Well, the, the great construction began almost before the plague had finished. So, 
there's probably going to be a moment of silence because um, Aurelio is is starting to actually like starting to piece together what's going on with the spirit here, um, and is maybe a little bit surprised that it actually worked out so well. Um, <clears throat> and when he does speak. Um, Is Palladio a part of you? No. Then, Spirit, I have a task for you during the following hours under the sun before I rise again at sundown. Your summons allows me to walk in the in the world above. What is your task? Find me, Paladio. And what or if else he does not where live? Where his spirit has traveled. Very well. I will return here at sundown. Very well. And the spirit starts fading back into the shadows seeming to sink into the natural shadows against the wall as and as it sort of disappears and you feel its sort of presence leave yours you you start to feel the the sort of exertion uh, of the ceremony the sort of the battle of wills you've done and it takes you a few moments before you realize as well that obviously yeah it's it's starting to get pretty early and that that tiredness is just ramping up the exhaustion you're already feeling. Um, if I may ask, because apparently the icons are not showing up for me in Foundry on that roll, I just need to know, are any... Um, uh, what was the condition here again? I'm looking for my uh, maybe additional stains from using my Oblivion. Um uh, Oblivion ceremonies. Here we go. Um, because it depends on the exact results. Um, yeah. Well, uh, we have the icons, but the the wording is either a one or a ten, and I think I saw when the dice three D graphics were on there. I think there were a couple of critical things, and it is a critical. Yeah, know, there's, so, there's definitely a couple of tens yeah, in there. Yeah, there, there's tens in there. So yeah. uh, I'll I'll just mark off another stain, John. Indeed. Do the the exer I I think in the aftermath, as as the the exhaustion of the ritual uh, starts uh, beating down on Aurelio, on top of the uh, the fact that the, he anticipates instinctively the advent of the sun, uh, there is a, a some. Uh, object casts a shadow uh, across his face as he's um, sat there before putting the ritual uh, accoutrement away to uh, lay down for the day. And you, the, the most disturbing thing is as you lay down to sleep for the day, the last thing that randomly, often as you do sometimes when you start to go to sleep, random thoughts, even in the undead, bubble to the surface as the consciousness fades and sleep begins 
And as you begin to sleep, the last thing that flickers across your mind is the conversation you had with your your favourite poor boatman, Alfonso Salvati, and your promise to visit his sick daughter tomorrow evening to give her communion. And then your consciousness is snuffed out like a candle and you begin to sleep through the day. You all right, Rob? Yeah, not a bad time, Lise. No problem at all. I've just posted the Foundry link in there again for you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've literally just played out the the scene with Johannes talking to the spirit he summoned at the end. Excellent. That's pretty much all you've missed so far. And then what we are going to do is we're going to move into the next day. So we are now going to be on the 3rd of January 2012. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do unsurprisingly is to make a rouse roll and obviously if you fail your hunger goes up by one if anyone starts getting uh, around the four or above mark obviously let me know because that's when it starts becoming a problem just two for the moment. Okay. I've got loads. I have. What's the? There's a cross count. Are we are we calling that one the cross or? Let's have a look. Got a cross in the first circle. Why? Oh, oh no, that's um. If you if you click on that, it clears your whole hunger track. That's all that is. It's all oh, right. All oh, right. Well, I'm on four then. Okay. Uh, could you roll for me, John, while I try and find my username and password? No problem at all. So let's make a rouse roll for you, go. Okay, so you are fine, you go. Your hunger stays as it is at three. Some feedback from somewhere. Is that me or is it? I'm also hearing it. Oh no, it's uh, Rob. Yeah, it's Rob. Sorry about that. Sorry, mate. Okay, so let me just check the old, uh, the old rouse roll, see if we're going to have problems with anyone. Can I see some of you getting a, a little bit, a little bit on the high side? Of that blood life. And obviously, as we know from previous, that can be a little bit problematic. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, yeah, I'm a. I'm a poor. <laughs> okay. After the, the two rituals and waking up. You two again. Hmm? This is going to become like the ritual so that every time everybody wakes up, Franco and Aurelia are going to be hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's starting to look that way, isn't it? For, for saying uh, Sonya's the sort of bloodthirsty mobster, like, <laughs> everyone else wakes up and they're like, 
Don't matter, she just goes and does yoga. <laughs> okay. So, anyone with hunger of three or more is going to be feeling extremely peckish when they wake up. So, as night falls, and in fact, bef before we get to a uh, well, let's, what's Franco on for for his hunger at the minute? On four now. He was on three. Okay. So, I'm going to say you wake up pretty early in the evening, Franco. It's obviously dark, but it's it's literally just gone dark. So we're doing like half seven, eight o'clock, and you wake up and you feel a sort of you hear almost hear or feel like a sort of scratching sensation at first you think it's your parched throat as you can feel the hunger once again clawing at the the inside of you and then still feeling quite sluggish because like i say it's only just gone dark and the the last tendrils of the sun are just sort of retreating over the horizon outside and in fact it's only due to the hunger gnawing at you that you've probably woke up so early you hear from well how did we how did we decide that you slept in the haven? I can't remember. Oh, um, I'm in the attic in a traditional style sort of coffin. Okay, yeah. So you you sort of open your eyes and you your eyelids feel heavy. It's a struggle to open them. It's like I say, it's only really the hunger that's sort of pushing you on. You suddenly become aware of this this scrabbling, sort of scratching noise it isn't the the normal sounds of the pitter patter of the vermin that are ever present in Venice due to the damp conditions, nor the creaking of the timbers in the attic in which you rest. But this sort of scratching noise appears to be coming from somewhere, not di not directly adjacent to, but from somewhere nearby to where you're sleeping. And it sounds a bit sort of, well, a bit like this. Um, I don't think it's in the building, though. Difficult no. to tell at the moment um, while you're still in the coffin, because obviously like, it's a bit echoey. In oh, there. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll uh, obviously lift the lid yeah. and investigate yeah. the noise. But, yeah. You sort of heave the lid out, and there is a there's like a small circular window in the loft where you sleep, and obviously it's got heavy drapes over it, and there's probably a a cupboard pushed up against it to make sure it's proof against the light but as you're sort of looking around and you're you're gradually slowly starting to wake up a bit more as the sunlight's disappearing you can hear that the the scratching sound appears to be coming from somewhere like just outside of the window or like in the street outside the window in the building i should say but it's pretty close i mean wherever it's coming from must be literally like right next to like the building that you're in your your group haven Okay, well, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll move up to the, the window and try and discreetly sort of just peek from behind the curtain. Okay. I can see anything. You, you move like the set of drawers out of the way and you, you peep out. And in the, the moonlight that's shining down, I mean, it's, it's a waxing moon. It's not quite full, but it still sheds plenty of light and it's reflected. 
by the rippling waters of Venice. As you will look down, you can see, stood by one of the doors to your group haven, is what looks to be a man wearing a sort of threadbare, shabby, stained coat. He's got a, a wide-brimmed hat on, as a lot of people wear in Venice. So you can't really see his face, you can see like the brim of the hat. And he appears to be like right next to the door and he's like fiddling with it and you can hear like this scratching is obviously whatever he's trying to do to the door. And you can see him sort of like moving his hands and his shoulders a little bit. Hmm. So he's trying to get in through the door, is that what it looks like? It certainly looks like it. Hmm. Um... Okay. Um, how big's the window? Is it I would say out the, window? the window's probably sort of that size by that size. It's one of those little round sort of attic windows. Now, if you... Because they're not really meant to like open fully, mm-hmm. I would say you probably could get out of it, but like you'd literally be like going through the glass. So you couldn't... Because they normally only open like with a little like quarter of them, just to let a bit of air in. So you could fit through it through it physically, but obviously you'd have to literally like your way through the glass. I oh, know, I won't do that. Um I'll head back into or out of the attic into the main building and Okay. Uh, see if anyone else is about and go and investigate. So at this point, sort of as you as you see that and as you start moving, I'm gonna ask, can you please make me a Dex stealth roll? And this is just to see, like, if the guy hears you, like, moving about. Because, obviously, you've heard him, so. Yeah. Oh, wrong way around. Okay, and I'm going to make a roll for his perception. Okay. He hears something, but you like you've drawn back. So as he hears something and he looks up, you catch a brief because you because you've got more you got the same number of successes, but you're a massively stealthy predator. However, it is a, a possible bestial failure. So I'm just gonna check that. So let me just check it out bestial failure so what i'm going to say is that you've caught a glimpse of his face but he's not seeing you well unless we decide that uh, that's the consequence of the bestial failure okay so not enough successes to breach the diff- okay so because you've succeeded it doesn't count as a bestial failure so you've caught sight of this guy as he looks up you briefly see this sort of haggard sort of time-worn face straggly beard like lank hair looks every inch a vagrant Uh, however as he sort of inclines his head up one thing you notice about him and probably the reason why he's not seeing you is that he appears to be entirely blind the the moonlight catching the the pure sort of like milky white opacity of the orbs in his face, his eyes, as though clouded with cataracts or something similar. 
Hmm. But you quickly like retreat, and he and he doesn't see or hear or it wouldn't be able to identify you in any way. He's just like, oh, I've heard a noise, and instinctively looked up. So you start making your way back into the the group haven. Now, obviously, we know that Aurelio is not there because he's at his personal haven. Now, Hugo and Sonia will be waking up. So what I'm going to ask is, Hugo and Sonia, can you both roll me a d10? And it's basically going to be whoever gets the highest roll is the first person awake. Okay, so, Franco, as you start making your way through the group haven, Hugo, you are waking up at this time, but Franco's just running to Sonia first. Sonia, you're probably up doing your, like, early evening calisthenics slash combat practice, and uh, you hear... A very gentle, because we know that Franco's quite a discreet fellow. You hear probably just a very gentle trace of a creak on the the wooden stairs of the building, and you see the you see the sort of like lank, greasy-haired form of Franco shuffling down the stairs. And Franco, you see Sonia doing her sort of early evening routine, which you know because you've seen it before. It's basically a series of sort of combat stances with a bit of sort of yoga and stuff like that thrown in so that if anyone sort of stormed in, you could bluff it off and say, oh, yeah, I'm just doing my keep fit. But obviously, you know, it serves a, a perhaps more sinister purpose. Mm. But yeah, you see something. Um, yeah. And I shall, yeah, fairly quietly, stealthily sort of walk up to to close enough that I can sort of whisper um, and I just say we seem to have a guest outside the front door Postman? No a blind well I would describe him more of a beggar maybe rough clothing Give him some money tell him to go away Uh, do, do we share this haven with others? No, it's, no, it's, ours. it's, it's just your coteries. Obviously, you know that there are the the two coteries: the uh, the artist del destino, the Camarilla coterie, and the tourist Anok coterie, who are sort of in the same area as you guys in like Castello, but not the same. All, all, all vampires being predators. Outside their sort of immediate circle, they tend not to want to get too close to each other because you have too many vampires in one place, too many people turning up like mysteriously drained of blood as a survival tactic. It doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, Franco, why don't you hide and I'll go and answer the door? And in fact, as you're saying that, you go, that is when you woke up and you sort of, you walk into the room just as Sonia's saying, look, Franco, why don't you go and hide? And I'll answer the door. Who's at the door? <clears throat> a blind man. Yeah. Thought it'd be. Um, I seem to be getting hungry these days, and I wondered if it might be useful to have a a more permanent visitor to our uh, our haven. 
Okay, well, you go and discuss that, and I'll go and answer the door. Yeah, I was thinking of our guest could be that visa. Like, on tap, shall we say. I heard. Uh, call it what you like. Hunger is... Uh... Well, that'd be a herd, wouldn't it? If you're going to shelter them and feed them and then feed from them, it's a herd. Of one. Yeah, I, I shall gently remove myself from the room and just go and answer the door. <laughs> okay, that is absolutely fine. You head over towards the door and I'm assuming you've got one of those little like portal things. You you have a quick look through it and you can indeed see this this roomy eyed blind vagrant looking fellow wide brimmed hat stained a dirty overcoat uh, looks like he's all dishevelled and sort of threadbare and he's basically sort of jiggling like the, the door handle a bit and that's that's the noise that Franco heard I'll open the door okay you... given the usual greeting you know okay you open the door make me a dex wits roll Is that Dex or Wits? Well, I suppose, I suppose technically it should be a skill. I'm falling a bit back in, into my old ways there. <laughs> so uh, I suppose really it should probably be something more like a Dex Athletics would be more more appropriate. But I would say you could use Wits Athletics. Like I said, when, whenever I throw out these these roles, that's just a sort of example. If you think like something else might be more appropriate, shout it out. Worst I'm going to say is no. Success. Uh, okay, so... As you open the door, this this blind old man tries to make a grab for you. You, he's a blind old vagrant man. You just like easily like backstep, and it, it's not a thing. He, he he maybe like with his fingertips like brushes your sleeve, but he he sort of carries on like flailing around, sort of stepping in as though he's trying to grab hold of you. You're easily avoiding it. He's not getting within a country mile of you. But the weirdest thing is, as he's sort of still flailing like this, trying to ineffectively grab hold of you, even though he's blind, he's sort of like almost like looking around you into the building beyond. He shouts very loudly, loud enough certainly for Franco and Hugo to hear in the adjoining room. He's like, I'll stop on my lord! Quickly! Run! Save yourself! And he carries on trying to like sort of flail to try and grab hold of you but you're just like <laughs> just easily avoiding it just like batting his hands away like what, what is this yeah uh, Franco I think it's for you uh, is it <laughs> okay um, the, the old yeah, man carries on shouting at the top of his voice I'll he's like down. quickly run my lord I'll, re I'll restrain them to see if uh, I recognise this this fella. You. He, he, he looks like a vagrant, but as far as you're aware, you've never seen him before in your life. 
are you coming down as well you go what are you doing as this yes bizarre they're coming down as well. okay so yeah you see this old man like flailing trying to pity almost pitifully like how sort of like bad a job of he's, he's doing trying to like grab hold of Sonya who's looking a bit confused and just sort of like stepping backwards and being like what the hell's going on here like, oh Franco you might want to deal with this and Franco's looking looking a bit puzzled as well because obviously he doesn't recognise the, the old fella but this old guy's like quickly my lord I'll restrain her quickly make, make good your escape my lord I'm, I'm going to stick my head out the door because obviously he's making a lot of noise in a, in a fairly tightly packed space Indeed. and I'm going to look for uh, coppers basically okay uh, Aurelio can you please roll me a d10 as the random finger of fate to see if there is a, a policeman about that there, there is a policeman just down the street actually and as you're sort of as you're sort of peering out the door and this fellow's like oh, my lord run and like getting nowhere near you you see like the, the policeman's just sort of like started to turn his head a bit and sort of look down the road as he's obviously like just heard a bit of the shouting and he's like oh yeah, what's going on there well, thankfully because I'm small and beautiful true <laughs> I don't look like much of a threat, so I'm going to actually beckon the policeman over. Yeah, he he sees a he sees a young woman so hailing him over. The, the, the policeman starts jogging down. I mean, he's up right at the end of like a fairly long street. So it's going to take him like a couple of rounds, effectively, like a couple That's of minutes. Fine. But he he starts like jogging towards you. You can see him. He like raises a uh, like a whistle to his lips, and he starts like blowing a high pitched note on his uh, whistle as he's obviously trying to summon all the members of the the civilian police force as he runs down the street towards you. Okay, so while that's going on, Franco and Hugo, what are you doing? This old man's still like... Obviously, he doesn't really know where Sonya's gone because he's blind, but he's still like flailing around in the same place going like, I'll I'll restrain the devil, my lord. Quickly, make good your escape. I'll just say, um, I think you've got the wrong house. Who are you looking for? Uh, At which point he... He turns around, looks like straight at you, but like I say, his eyes are all like milky and cloudy with cataracts. And then he sniffs slightly, and he sort of he reaches out, not in a sort of "I'm going to grab you" way, almost in a sort of like, I suppose, trying to be comforting way. Really, he sort of reaches out, sort of puts a puts a hat, a hat like a quavering hand. And you can tell there's like not much strength in it, and he he puts it on your arm, and he says, "Quickly, my lord, I've got to get you out of here." I don't know who you are, what you want. He says, I've been sent by the others, my lord, to, uh, to, to to get you to a place of safety. Qu- qu- quickly, you're not safe here. Lest the, lest the devil kindred steal you back away, my lord. I- I'm here to free you from your imprisonment. I think you have... And, it, and he's gently trying to like pull your arm, but he's like he's like a weak old like vagrant man. So like you're just like... Yeah. Oh, no. Don't pull me, please. Yeah, I think you have me confused for someone else. He says, "No, no, no." He says, "My, my, my, my masters were, 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 were most clear. Eh? A member of their, uh, their, their brotherhood was being, was being held here by the devil kindred, and I was to, I was to come here and, uh, to, to see that they were set free. I, I, I don't make a mistake. Come, come, my lord, we must go." And he, again, he's still up. Like, Quite pitifully, like tugging at your arm, but he doesn't really have any strength to him. And now he's close, you can smell sort of like 
horrible sort of like boozy like bile like smell coming from him so as though he's sort of like he's drank too much and then been sick a couple of times and he's like trying to like pull your arm but like I said there's no strength to him mm. well this I don't want to be uh, in the scene when this policeman arrives so uh, I'm going to back off into the sort of shadows of the room a bit more okay as you as you back off obviously the fellow is like holding your arm goes with you and he's still you're sort of dragging him but he's trying to like drag you so like quickly my lord we we must away from this devilish place but yeah i just push him back yeah you easily push him and he like falls backwards onto the floor the at which point the the policeman has sort of reached the doorstep where he was sonia and he says uh, is there any problem miss um, this poor, confused man um, he, he came looked, in and tried to attack me. He, he looks round you into the room, and he's and he, he sort of like he sees his face. You see his nose like wrinkling, distasteful. Obviously, he catches a waft of the the man's foul smell, and he he takes a couple of steps into the room, sort of putting himself in between you and this guy, and he's he sort of like nudges the the old fellow with his foot, and he says. Is this true? At which point the the old man with actually quite a surprising amount of like athleticism like leaps to his feet, headbutts this policeman, who sort of reels back surprised, like holding his nose, which is pouring with blood, as like because he wasn't expecting this old vagrant to suddenly like leap to his feet and like he sort of falls backwards holding his nose a bit more in shock than anything else. At which point the old fellow like starts making a break for the door, and like I said, with surprising like speed, he starts like running out of the door. the The policeman like takes a few moments to get himself together, and he he starts running after him, like shouting after him, the old man to like surrender, and like, shouting that he's assaulted a police officer. And the two of them sort of disappear down the street. the The old man running up ahead, like I say, surprisingly quickly, and the the policeman in hot pursuit. And then they they disappear around the corner. Well, we can expect them back at some point. Hmm. Very strange. I think your visitor might come back as well, Franco. Hmm. I don't know what to make of it. Other than he was seemed quite drunk. Well, we'll let, we'll let the police chase that and get the report later. Okay, as those two are talking, you go. Can you please make me a wits awareness roll? successes and that is more than enough successes to succeed so it doesn't count as a bestial failure as these two are having this discussion you've sort of as someone who's been in shall we say a fair few spicy scenarios in your own life to put it mildly one of the things that you've learned is even when it looks like the danger's passed you need to keep an eye on your surroundings to make sure 
that everything's as it should be. So you're sort of taking in the scene, sort of watching down the street and checking both ways and looking around while these while uh, Franco and Sonia are having this uh, this discussion. And your eye happens to fall on the the spot where the old vagrant man was standing when he was fiddling around with the door. And you notice that exactly where he was standing, there is what looks to be a pool of water just by, only, only about that wide, but a small pool of water by the, the doorstep to your building. Okay, and if I kneel down and smell it, does it smell? It, it smells like canal water. Okay. Which is a, a scent that most citizens of the city would be very familiar with. Okay, and is it like a dry night? Yes, it's it's not raining. Okay. I mean, there there is a little bit of sort of dew from the 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 cold to heat transfer of day passing into night, but nothing that would leave a a big puddle. Okay, and is there um like footprints leading up to the puddle? There's not footprints leading up to the puddle. No, it. It's just like a, like say, a puddle as though, as the guy was standing here fiddling with the door, this water just seemed to sort of like collect around him. Okay. Is that a supernatural skill or phenomenon that I might be aware of or familiar with? You're not familiar with any, any sort of supernaturals that are that make it a practice to like conjure canal water from anywhere now. Okay. Okay, so while um, you're um while you're having a think about that, uh Aurelio, what are you up to? I so presume you've woken the, up in your uh, personal haven. I presume the, the spirit is not present, or is it? It's not present at first, but about half an hour after you awaken obviously you're like you're tidying up all your shiz and you're getting all your stuff mm -hmm. squared away before you set out for the evening you notice the the temperature begins to dip and again you you see this sort of darkened patch of shadow that soon resolves itself into this tall gangly oily shadowy figure and as it emerges it says the architect is buried on the island Saint Michel in a mausoleum. His spirit does not linger in the city below. Right, well, uh, in, in that case, it has, uh, it has fulfilled its part in our arrangement here so uh yeah the spell does no longer hold him or it rather uh or or them because uh, <laughs> we're getting a legion vibe here um indeed so... don't forget you have the ability to command it to perform a number of tasks and until yeah. until all of those are done it's in your service, so you, I believe you got six, was it? So, you asked it to tell you, like, to tell you the truth, that's what you well, questions. Uh, for successes, I got nine. Yeah, minus its successes. 
Yeah, and I forget what it got, but yeah. Um, I think we were talking about seven. Yes, so, seven, that's right, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah so six now. So. Mm -hmm. So it was saying that Aladio's spirit is not around or accessible. It, it said it's. It said that the architect's spirit did not linger in the city below. Yep. Well, the unfortunate thing for this spirit is that my ritual is powerful enough that uh, it will serve until the end of the Chronicle or until it has fulfilled the commands and it, it can return. So one of my six is going to be guard this haven. Okay. Which which will last for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It, again, it sort of inclines what passes for its face, and it seems to melt back into the shadows. But as you look around your small personal haven, the, the sort of oily, sort of semi-liquid look of this spectral figure seems to cling to all the shadows now cast in your room, as though it's like joined with the existing shadows in your your building. And um, as I get my stuff together, I want to say that I will be returning with hopefully the next steps. Don't leave the premises. And uh, I, I will instead lead the premises to... Uh, yeah, and as, um, you, as you step out, you hear seemingly coming from like everywhere inside the room, you hear a whispered voice saying, I will have to go and uh, attempt to procure some sustenance now. And uh, because I don't have a Tupperware container to <laughs> save my hunger right now, it's going to, we're, we're going to have to do it, uh, do it live, as they say. Um, so, uh, where's my custom rose that I see up? Oh, it's here, isn't it? Yeah. So. <coughs> so what method are you using to hunt? Yeah. Because I don't have a ready access to a corpse right now. I guess I would have to go to San Michel to at least to dig up like fresh ones uh, that might be there. Um, do we know where the uh, hospital might be? Or a hospital? Yeah, you could locate a hospital in Castello. That's not a problem. Yeah. So, or, or like a clinic or something. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's more go. likely to be a small general hospital because there's mm. there's not sort of the big sort of special... In fact, the only reason it's got so many... So, general hospitals as such is purely because of like the massive tourist trade 
Because I need this. This is the thing, right? Because um, my preferred method is to well feast on the dead, uh, and uh, I, rules as written, I've got two things that it gives uh, for methods of hunting. One is corpse, and the other is from mourners, because that's kind of the the living sustenance that I go, can go for as well. Yeah. Um, and going for corpses. Um, resolve and medicine is like thematically it's more about harvesting the thing from the corpse yeah but that's already presuming you have a corpse to harvest um, so I suppose like do we want to address that bit at all or the access part or yeah okay so what I'm going to say is in order to successfully locate and sort of infiltrate a hospital mm -hmm. we'll do it all in one roll make me uh, an intelligence um, plus streetwise roll and this is partly to locate it but also partly to like get yourself in there basically right um obviously feel free to suggest alternatives because the mourner bit is is really unfortunate for uh, a Hecata such as I it's, uh, it's not really like I'll just take a brief sip here no worries because my bite is not conducive to that um, well tell you what um, recognizing that Aurelio like would vastly prefer to go to San Michel and dig up a corpse rather than <laughs> uh, try and like sneak into a hospital without like prior arrangements um, we're instead going to uh... <laughs> oh boy we're going to uh, put a pin in that and um, we're going to go and do our little visit to uh, uh, Alfonso's place okay no problem so you head to the 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 sort of uh, the poorer areas of San Paolo where you know that your your touchstone this this person who means a fair amount to you Alfonso Salvati this poor this poor boatman works ferrying people from between Dosodoro and Giudecca across the strait down here you know where he lives with his poor daughter Cara he's a single father the mother's been deceased for a few years and you kindly in your guise as a priest volunteered to go and uh, give a give communion to his daughter because she's not been able to get to church so you make your way through the streets you know where he lives and eventually you find this small sort of ramshackle poorly repaired wooden building which isn't doing terribly well due to like the ever-present damp in the the streets of uh, venice it doesn't look like it's been taken very good care of like the paint and the plaster work sort of peeling off and you can see the the door such as it is it's a it's a wooden door and it looks like a sturdy kick from even the 
the most barely physically capable person could like take the door off its rusted hinges. So I'll uh, give it a wrap. Okay, you're knocking in. After a while, you hear sort of shuffling footsteps on the other side of the door. The door opens a crack, and you see like the face of Alfonso. And then obviously he sees you, and seeing it's you, mm-hmm. he he throws open the the door. He looks quite pale, as though he's not slept for a while, or probably due to worry. But when he sees you, he he embraces you, and he says, "Oh, father, father, it's a, it's so good of you to 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 come. Please, I've a, I, I've prepared a sort some uh, some bread, cheese, and uh, and wine for when you stopped by. It's a, it's not much, but it's a, it's a, the best I, I could offer." As he says that, from upstairs, for like all the buildings here, it's built tall rather than wide. You hear a, a sort of a hacking cough echoing down the stairs. You see briefly Alfonso's eyes flicker towards the stairway, and again, this look of worry mingled with dread flashes across his face, but he's obviously trying to put a a brave face on it, and he says, "Please, please, Father, don't send that. That you'll catch, you'll catch your death on this, uh, this cold night. Please, come in, come in." I fear I'm. Before the cold could get me, uh, I, I am feeling not that well uh, this evening. I fear Alfonso, and there are still matters I need to go tend to. So you'll excuse my haggard appearance. I have I haven't put on the blush, John. I no, I, 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 I understand. I understand. Now, luckily <laughs> so, for you, he, he 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 does look a bit concerned about you as well. But again, like he seems to be assuming that, like, oh, it's the cold, and you know, like a lot of people seem to think yeah. about priests. They're like, oh, you lead that sort of strange monastic lifestyle. It means you're not really like prepared for yeah. the real world. You know, you sort of keep yeah. yourself separate from normal people, that sort of thing. But he's he's like quickly coming in and he like, he like ushers you into like this small sort of a lounge, I suppose you could call it. There's a there's a little table there. There's a a slightly stale looking loaf of like crusty bread, a bit of hard cheese, and what looks to be half a bottle of some sort of vinegar that's trying to masquerade as wine. And there's a couple of like chipped cups on the the table mm-hmm. he, he picks up a, a fairly blunt looking sort of bread knife and he he starts like slicing a bit of this crusty bread off and he's I'll, like he's like oh no I'll, please, please follow I'm like, it's, it's the least i can do you, you you you're looking like you're barely holding yourself together he says and he's like starts like <laughs> slicing. i will say alfonso i will i will take the plate if you offer it to me but i will carry it up to your daughter who needs it more than i do Okay, can you roll me a d10? Uh, that's, that's smooth my mouse. Gets, okay, here we go. Uh, d10. Four. Okay, so he, he, he's slicing this bread. And, however, as you sort of like mentioned, his daughter, again, there's a cough upstairs and he seems to, to start a bit. And as he does so, he accidentally like draws the knife across the area on his hand between his thumb and his finger and you smell fresh spilled blood as it sort of dribbles down his arm and he, he lets out an involuntary curse and sort of like shakes his hand a little bit 
and we are going to since you're so incredibly hungry <laughs> we are going to have a roll to see whether this uh this sets you off obviously normally it wouldn't but mm -hmm. given your level of hunger i'm just seeing if it's on my sheet uh, da, da, da. hunger frenzy here we go so difficulty to resist the sight of an open wound or overpowering smell of blood while at hunger four plus so let me just see if I could, so you need to roll your willpower plus one third of your humanity rounded down okay one one third you said yeah yeah so two for me because i'm a six so i'm gonna click this Okay, so that was that was just the willpower then. Yeah. Okay, so I'll do. Well, it's fine. You only needed two successes, and you've already got that off your. Uh... Yeah, but but in case I uh, yeah. messed it up, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, we'll I'll I'll just do two d tens and I'll, we'll translate. Okay, so just a success and an empty. So. Okay, so with that you. You do for a brief moment feel yourself sort of like drawing closer to him as obviously the hunger starts to sort of overtake you a bit and you can you can feel like your fangs sort of start to slide a little bit out of your gums inside your mouth but you quickly sort of clamp down on that feeling with your own willpower and you feel them retract back into your gums as you sort of like draw back a bit. You can see that in that time when you were sort of like battling with yourself that your poor boatman friend has basically like grabbed like a dirty like tea towel and he's like, he's like wrapped it around his hand and he's sort of like tied it off and he says oh I was ter terribly sorry father terribly sorry I, I, I was distracted my uh, my uh, my poor car already sort of looks towards the stairs as a, I, I, I suppose I, I shouldn't keep you with my uh, with my foolishness uh, and he, he looks down at the the bread that's like blood soaked into it and he he just sort of like pushes it away to the far end of the table and then he says well i, I suppose i could still take us some of this cheese alfonso please have a seat i will tend to your daughter and be on my way uh so as not to well, keep from my affairs and and be a burden on your own uh and i'll get from my uh uh, like my little like leather briefcase that I have my uh, sort of carry around stuff in. Uh, I'll take a small bottle of uh, communion wine. So I'll show him that and then get the uh, uh, the bread as well, uh, the communion wafer. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll like, show them to him. It's like, I shall uh, go visit your daughter, give her communion and... Uh, be out of here before you'll know it. He, he, he nods. He says, um, "Yes, of course, Father. I'm, I'm so very grateful. Thank you again." I'll very swiftly, uh, because I want to avoid being next to Alfonso right now. I very swiftly make my way upstairs uh, to locate Kara. Uh, okay, you stop making your way up the stairs now can you make me a wits plus awareness roll mm -hmm. 
Okay, you find that's enough successes. So as you get to the landing, I suppose, you know, just about to the little hallway that leads to the room where it's been indicated that Cara sleeps. There's only a couple of rooms in this you expect that Alfonso sort of sleeps down in the lounge area, probably just on the, the like crappy chair that's in there. As you get onto the landing, you hear a the, the voice of a, a very sickly sounding young woman from just beyond the, again, another ramshackle wooden door. And she says, oh, oh yes, I, I, I know, but it, it hurts so much. And then you hear a, you hear another female voice, one that you don't recognise, say, I, I know my daughter, but all such things eventually pass. I'll uh, clear uh, my throat in the hallway or outside the room okay as you clear your throat you hear a third female voice from inside the room although this one sounds sort of cracked and weighed down with age say i heard something outside i'll push the no doubt creaky door uh in or Odd, oddly, the door doesn't seem to creak, which surprises you because like the hinges are like rusted all to heck, and it's this old wooden door, but it doesn't seem to make a sound as you push it open. As you enter the room, you see a Cara, this young, very ill-looking woman, like say in a sort of like mid-teens. She's in what barely passes for a bed with all the blankets a father could scrape together drawn up around her you can see there's a a few sort of like speckles or like what looks to be like dried blood as though she's been like coughing into a handkerchief mm-hmm. and she's got the the covers sort of like tightly pulled up around her and then standing on either side of the bed are two women that you don't particularly recognize one appears to be a young woman with blonde hair. She's wearing a fairly simple, plain white dress. And on the other side of the bed is a hunched elderly, I suppose, crone, you could call her, wearing, I mean, you're probably very familiar with this, wearing what almost looks like a tattered burial shroud. And there is a polished mask of obsidian on her face which has been carved to resemble like the stereotypical like fairy tale old woman with the crooked nose wart mm-hmm. and all yeah which which mask yeah basically yeah and they both sort of look up as you enter the room boy oh boy oh boy oh boy um <clears throat> so uh, for several reasons, uh, Aurelio is going to uh, attune his uh, finer senses and uh, try to sense the unseen. Okay, at, at not a problem. Point. 
So that is a so, free a free yeah. power. And you can either yep. use your wits plus or specs or your resolve plus or specs. Yep. And I think it's this, yeah. Uh, and then there we go. successes and if it's a failure it's going to be a bestial failure <laughs> okay it's not a failure because they're not actually trying to hide themselves overly much um yes they are both uh, supernatural creatures unsurprisingly i'm just checking if it too i'm gonna say given given the clues you can pretty much tell that these two are vampires. And in fact, you're, you're pretty sure, given that one of them was wearing an obsidian mask, you probably could make an mm -hmm. astute guess as to what clan one of them is from. Yeah, I think the the number one thing, kind of for earlier, is like, are, are they physical or not? <laughs> that changes the approach. They are, um, they are physically there. They're not like yeah. spirits or anything. Mm -hmm. Although... Since you've activated your sense unseen, you mm -hmm. you can sense that there is there's some sort of effect. You're not exactly sure of its nature, but you think it's like effectively like dampening sound in the room, and that's probably why the mm -hmm. door didn't creak when you opened mm -hmm. it. I'll step inside, uh, close the door behind me. The and Kara obviously recognising you because you're good friends with her father she starts to try and sort of like rise herself up out of the bed but she's she's too weak and she gives into like a, a coughing fit and sort of falls back into the bed the the young blonde haired woman basically like plumps up the pillow behind her and sets it up behind her so she can like lean back against it and against the wall and just says to her don't, don't strain yourself my daughter Good evening. I have to admit that I did not expect there to be attendance to young Kara here tonight. At which point the the crone, as I'll just keep referring to it to make mm -hmm. it easy to identify, said this, Oh yes, we're greatly interested in young Kara here. And she lets out a a stereotypical witch's cackle, which you feel the sort of effect on the room causes that the cackle to like not reverberate beyond the bounds of the room. I feel compelled to inquire as to why this would be. The... The, uh, the crone looks at you and says, And what interest do you have here, dearie? Presuming that you are not Socrates come back from the dead. At which point, the, the, the crone laughs <laughs> as you say that. <laughs> I would ask that we address my question first, as I was indeed first. 
the the old hag starts to like lift her hand as though she's going to say something. She can't see her face behind the mask. But the mm-hmm. the, the blonde-haired woman says, he, he is correct. We're here because we, we're seeking to find a way to end our daughter's pain. And she's all like taps Cara on the shoulder for... And at which point she says, I'm prepared to answer your question, but would you mind awfully if we just stepped away from the bed a little and that there are sensitive matters which are are possibly a little too much for for her young ears please she she sort of steps aside with you and turns to the hag and says a trophos would you would you stay here and care for the care for car and she says yes of course i will and she steps aside with you and says we're here to to ensure that our daughter does not meet a, a very painful and unfortunate fate. Uh, um, Atropos has in her, her divinations established that this, and she genuinely looks quite sorrowful when she says this, mm-hmm. this poor child will, will not survive out of the week and there will be a great deal of pain before the end. And her pain and her youth denied called out to the two of us, myself and Atropos, who have a similar hole in our lives that pains us, one that we feel she may be more than adequately suited to fill. So Aurelio takes a bit to... uh to piece things together. Are you implying that you will recruit her, for lack of a better term? It has been a very long time since there were three of us and our group does not work well with only the two of us. We are we are unbalanced, but our last daughter perished some time ago, and we cannot simply grab someone off the streets and induct them in. It has to be someone fresh in the bloom of their innocence, but who has also experienced the dreadful pain that this world can cause. And we feel that in this regard, Kara, as she is now called, is is more than qualified and we will we will take away the pain which currently racks her poor body she will be strong again we will care for her and she will learn a great deal and see terrible wonders that as yet her young mind cannot even begin to fathom what are you doing about the father the, the father is is no concern of ours you intend to disappear with kara then we the father would meet a a much more and she looks like she's struggling for words 
would have a much more painful time of it were we to be not to not do so and she she reaches into her into like the folds of her dress and she takes out what looks to be a handful of soil and she says would you see what we have seen confess to not understanding as you say that she blows a handful of this soil into your mm -hmm. face and the the people in the room seem to fade away you're still in the the same building but you get the feeling that like some time has passed and as you look into the the room that you are still stood in you see the the dead and sickly and emaciated form of Kara lying still and unmoving on the bed. Then from somewhere down below you hear a loud thump. From downstairs. So... Is there any other movement or sound going on at the moment? Or was that just the... Like there's just being the thump. Just the thump. Okay. Uh, presuming I'm able to, I'll, I'll breeze downstairs. Okay, you head downstairs and you hear a a creaking noise that lets you know what you're going to see even before you step into the lounge as you do so you see the body of your poor boatman friend alfonso hanging from a a knotted rope the other end of it fastened to a, a light fixture and on the floor next to him lies the upended chair is the fixture actually holding it appears to be yes um i know enough even though i'm not primarily a a physician as such but i'm familiar enough with medicine that i i'll i'll, I'll grasp at the chance so i'll get to him as fast as I can to lift him up. Okay, you run towards him, you can see that with this noose around his neck, he's he's slowly strangling to death. However, at the moment, you, you reach him in plenty of time. At the moment, your hands would have made contact with his legs to, to lift him up. You suddenly snap back into the, the present day, and you're stood in the now occupied room facing the the blonde woman. And she says, those are the shadows of what would have occurred were we not to have intervened. What will happen now then? The result for him is the same. But he will not have evidence that his, his daughter is dead. 
perhaps he will go mad in the search for her. I don't know. But at least he will have hope. As opposed to being damned by the knowledge that there is absolutely nothing he can do. Are you taking her this evening? That was our intent. As I say, we believe she has no more than a week. Well, be on your way then. I presume you need not my help to cover your exit. No, we don't. Then leave. Okay, at which point she she walks back over to the bed. You see her and the crone help the the weak young woman Kara up from the bed and they start leading her towards a window. And Kara sort of as they get to the window they open it and you can see beyond it is just what appears to be a, a black void rather than the scenery you would expect to see outside. As they get so to I'll, I'll... I'll, I'll sort of softly speak to them all, I suppose, as they as they go, but specifically uh, following Kara, uh, and uh, I'll say, "God, go with you." She pauses on the the threshold of this this void and smiles back at you. Then she looks at the 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 blonde woman and says, uh, I'm I'm not going to be able to come back and tell my father about any of this, am I? And the blonde woman says, No, I'm afraid not. But if it brings you comfort, you may look in on him from time to time. And you will have to be satisfied with that. But come now, a future free of pain and of sickness awaits you. And they they step into the this black void disappearing into the darkness. The window seems to snap shut behind them. And then after a few moments, you notice the, the stars and scenery outside start sort of fading back in as this blackness retreats, leaving you alone in this room. So I will... I always have on me a small pouch of salt or that is a, a, a very common thing that my my profession yeah, you, you don't need to explain why you might be carrying some salt with you <laughs> it's like if you said oh I've got a stick of chalk on me and some candles I'll be like yeah yeah <laughs> sounds like the kind of thing so I'll I'll get a, a like basically all the salt that I have on my person um, my big bottle is in the the briefcase downstairs but I'll get the pocket salt that I have and uh, I'll just sprinkle it on the the bed uh, and uh, tuck the the covers on the salt. Okay. And uh, I'll like get a, like a pinch of it uh, to go, and I'll I'll head back down to. Okay. And as you're heading back down, we're going to jump across to the other guys at your your communal haven. As you correctly surmised, about 15 minutes later, there's a knock at the door, and it's the quite out of breath policeman 
and he say he, he looks very confused as well as out of breath when he knocks on the door and he says, uh, "Oh, uh, hello, I'm, I'm sorry to, uh, and I'm I'm going to ask which of you answers the door when he knocks." It's down to the three of you. Well, it definitely won't be me. It'll probably be me. Okay, so you answer the door, and he says, uh, oh, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to uh, bother you again, young lady, but I need to... And he takes out a small notebook. Uh, I need to take a, uh, a statement about the, the events that occurred. Uh, I'm afraid... Oh, uh, cool. I'm afraid uh, the, 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 the wily old, uh, old beggar managed to, to, to give us the slip. I've, n I've never seen a, an old fellow run like that before. I mean... Four of us couldn't chase him down, but uh, we'll, we'll take your statement and uh, we'll put his description out. And don't you worry, ma'am, we'll, we'll catch him. Oh, thank you. You better come in and have some coffee. He, he looks as though he's about to sort of like po po politely refuse, but perhaps your your beauty or your demeanour wins him over. And he, he sort of looks at his watch and he says, "Well, I suppose I've I suppose I've got time for a." For, for a small cuppa um, that's a uh, very very generous of you ma'am and he, he he comes inside obviously you go franco you could be around or not as you see fit you'll certainly hear this conversation going on the the policeman if you're about won't think anything of you being about it's like, oh these are the people who live at the house he might assume you're like you're this young woman's uncles or elder brothers it's not uncommon for big families to to share a home in Venice, so he sort of nod respectfully to any of you, and he uh, he sort of sits down. If you're if you're going through with making him a coffee, Sonia, yeah, definitely. And he he basically starts asking you, you know, what happened. Uh, you say this old this old man tried to attack you, yeah. And he's uh, he's basically just taking down the details of whatever sort of cock and ball story you. Well, I'm just going to give him the basics, so. I was doing my yoga yep. when I heard a scratching at the door. I informed Franco that somebody was trying to enter the door. Franco suggested that I answer the door, so I did, at which point the man tried to attack me and then, for some bizarre reason, claimed that Franco was a lord and all sounds a bit crazy to me. He, he notes all this down in his... Uh notebooks sipping the the coffee while he does so and he says uh well uh i, th I think i've got all the uh he drains his coffee puts down i think i've got all the information i need uh him it's as i say um d don't we willow will have the the local precinct to put out his his description uh, we'll arrange for a couple of the the constables to to travel this route past your building uh for, for the next week or two just to make sure oh, he doesn't show his face again. Oh, the thing, nothing of it. I mean, we're here to, we're here to set the public's mind at rest, and uh, that, that that's what we aim to do. But, but uh, don't don't worry, Miss. We'll we'll catch the fellow as soon as he pokes his head out, ugly head out again. We'll have him, and as I say, he's a he's assaulted a police officer, so we'll be straight to we'll be straight to the lockup. Yeah. Wonderful news office. Well, is, is there anything else I can I can do for you, Miss? Uh, I really should probably be getting back on on shift now. No, thank you, kind sir. Well, you rest easy, Miss. Like I say, think nothing more of it. We'll we'll catch this miscreant as soon as he po pokes his head above water. Oh, oh yes, and I will, I will have my uncle Ugo um, install better security. 
that that's probably a wise idea, especially with the in in the next few months. Well, I don't know whether this fellow is a is a local or not, but uh, in the next couple of months, as the I'm sure you've seen the flyers for the for the carnival that's going to take place. Oh yeah, the wonderful the, um, party that's going to cause lots of tourism. Well, yes, and uh, I will say tourism a bit of disdain in my voice. Yeah, he, he sort of smiles <laughs> and nods as you say that. He says. Well, yes, uh, much as it's going to undoubtedly bring a lot of money into the city, uh, it's going to bring a great deal of trouble and there's sure to be a, an increase in crime. Um, but, but as I say, I'd I'd get that security installed if I were you. But I won't keep you anymore, miss, uh, but don't worry any more about it. We'll, we'll, soon, we'll soon have him behind bars. So, good evening to all of you. Thank you, officer. And he heads out and you hear him like, walking off down the street. Um, John, can you explain what resonance in the blood is? Yeah, it's basically if you if you drink from someone who has like a very strong sort of mood, or is in like certain sort of like highly charged situations, their their blood has a distinct like resonance to it. So, like if you if you drink from someone who's just been in like a hot is like an adrenaline junkie in like a high speed car chase and they've just been in a shootout and you like drink their blood you might get a bit of that resonance you might start feeling a bit like hopped up and a bit like excited whereas if you like if you like your boy Aurelio and you like you're sipping blood off like sorrowful somber mourners you might start feeling like an echo of that emotion as well when you drink from them you know you'll start feeling a bit of the grief and a bit of the somberness come through Okay, so I have a skill that lets me smell resonance. Yep. So I'm wondering if I could have smelled, tried to smell the resonance of the vagrant when he was in the building oh, yeah. to understand. Do you know what? I think you probably could. I'm just going to... I don't see why not. I'm just going to look up the odour resonance. And does your skill tell you what role to make? Yeah, it's a resolve plus awareness of difficulty tree. Okay, so make your roll. Uh, so that looks like a success. Okay, so the the way resonance works is it works on the sort of the, the four humors model you know um it's like choleric melancholy phlegmatic and sanguine now you're getting a, a when you sniff this personally you're getting a choleric resonance from him which is a it's associated with like adrenaline and sort of uh, excitability sort of high levels of emotion and you also are able to determine the the sort of strength of a resonance. It can be fleeting, intense, and acute. So with like choleric resonance, basically if it was fleeting, it's like, oh, someone's just had a jump scare in the cinema, but otherwise they're fine. If it's intense, like say it's someone who's just been in a high-speed chase, whereas if it's acute, it's like this person is like a serial adrenaline junkie. They are like, you know, like the... Um, sort of parkour people who are always sort of like putting themselves in dangerous situations for the thrill of it with this like I say it's choleric so there's intense feelings involved uh it was the sort of high action like 
excitement and worry and fear all wrapped up into one and it was quite intense so this guy when it was literally like oh my lord you've got to escape from here I'll, I'll hold him he was like very excited he obviously like thought he was doing something like tremendous and he was but he was fearful as well he knew that like he might not make it back but he thought what he was doing was important enough to like risk himself okay um so i'll turn to the other guys <clears throat> um i think we should try and find this vagrant um because it feels like something is amiss well he's, he said he'd come from uh a group or an order or something so there must be others with similar ideas or well faith or whatever whatever it is you want to call it yeah. <clears throat> um always just a drunken crazy fool yeah which is also an option um well, I think the security people probably a good idea. Yeah. As you're discussing this, um, you go, your mobile phone starts to ring. Okay. So I guess I'll answer it. Okay. You hear a familiar voice on the other end. It's like, you go. You go. Is that you? And you recognize the voice of. Arnold Capressi. Ah, Arnold, how are you? He says, "Yeah, well, the, the thing, things have been be could be better, could be worse." He says, uh, "He says, uh, listen, uh, and I suppose uh, since, since we go back away, so uh, you, you'd be able to do me a favour." Uh, yeah. What kind of favour? He's like, he's like, listen. Uh, I've uh, I've recently come into possession of uh, some uh, merchandise. If you uh, understand what I what I'm saying, and uh, I'm uh, I'm going to meet with a buyer soon. Now, uh, I've I've spoke to a uh, I've spoke to the fixer, Uberto, and he's supposed to be a uh, he's supposed to be organising a bit of a bit of discreet muscle, you know, just in case things go wrong, but. Wow, I've not really had that many dealings with a Scarpace before, so uh, I'm a little bit wary of relying on him to provide uh, to provide my protection, if you know what I mean. And I thought, well, since I know you're a bit handy, maybe as a favour to me, I mean, obviously I can, I can cut you in some of the readies, uh, maybe you wouldn't mind uh, accompanying me. I'm not expecting anything to, to go wrong, but just in, you never know with these sort of things, and just in case it does... I'd quite like yeah, to have some well, of trust there. Yeah, I could certainly do you a favour for a, a percentage. Um, when is the meeting? He says, look, it's in a, it's in a couple of hours' time. He says, okay. It, it, was, it was all very last minute. The, uh, the, the, the merchandise I've got needs, uh, needs moving pretty quickly. Uh, so that, okay. that, that's why I couldn't go to my usual fellow. I had to go to Scarpace to set me up with the... Uh, 
with the buyer. But uh, I, tell you what, I don't want to discuss it on an open line. Uh, what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll take I'll text you through the uh, the place to meet in the uh, in, in, yeah, the, in the normal manner and uh, like I said we, we we can haggle over the percentages and what not afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust it. Right. Okay. Uh, thanks, Hugo. Much appreciated. How you wanna? I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cool. And he hangs up the phone. Okay, um, so I'll turn back to Franco and Sonia and say um, I have to go out to do some business. Um, but first, I'm going to take an hour and try and find this uh, vagrant um, if you want to tag along, uh, or else I can just go on my own. Well, I think Franco better sort out what he did yesterday so he can get that ball rolling. You've got to get your ball rolling. I imagine Aurelio is somewhere rolling his balls. Um, okay. And you are interrupted, Sonia, by your mobile phone ringing. Oh, I shall look at the screen. Okay, you look at the screen and it says withheld number. So answer the phone. Okay, you answer the phone and you hear the familiar voice of Huberto Scarpace on the other end. And he said, how do you answer the phone? And you're like, Sonia? Oh, you're like, hello? I'll give it a bonjourno. Yeah, bonjourno. Okay, so uh, you hear the voice of your boat on the other end, and he's like, Sonia, Sonia, it's been, it's been too long. Oh, this is going to cost me. <laughs> he says, uh, listen, uh, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush, I... I need some muscle, but I need muscle that doesn't look like muscle, if you know what I mean. Something discreet. I've got you. For a little job of going on, he says, uh, well, when it comes to uh, people who can put the hurt on people without looking like they can, well, your name was the first I thought of. I'd like to hear it. says, listen, there's this, uh, I've been uh, contacted to set up a meet by a, this uh, small-time guy, uh, nothing grand, uh, C Capressi, Arnold Capressi. He's recently lifted some some sculpture from the, the Guggenheim collection, you know, over in Dusadoro. But uh, it's a little bit hot for him to handle, if you know what I mean. And he's, uh, he's, re he's desperate to get rid of the stuff. He's reached out to me to set up a meeting. I've managed to find him a buyer, but he's a bit... He's a bit of a flight risk, you know, he's a bit, bit nervy. So I've promised him that I'll, I'll get some discreet muscle there in case anything goes wrong. Okay, but how how warm is it? Are we expecting company? I'm not really expecting anything, any violence to, to erupt. It should be a simple exchange: the sculpture for the money. The, the the buyer has done this sort of thing before. I've dealt with him before. I'm not expecting anything to go wrong, but well. In my game, it's the it's the unexpected things you don't prepare for are the ones that get you killed. Oh yeah. And he says, "Listen, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to be there myself. I'm just arranging the buy, but I also want someone I trust there to make sure everything goes as it should, and also to let me know if this Capressi tries to stiff me on the deal." Oh, that's fine. My schedule's clear for the next few hours. 
So it's right there. So it's taking place in two hours in a San Paulo. I'll uh, I'll text you the address over shortly. No problem. Well, uh, usual deal for the for the percentage, yeah. Always. Excellent. It's such a pleasure dealing with professionals and not these not these small timers looking to get their foot on the ladder. You've set always up. wanting more than they've earned. Isn't that the truth? Well, thanks very much, Sonia. You've uh, you've set my mind to rest. Uh, I'm sure you've done a. I'm sure your uh, your older family, uh, Miss Penner, would be a uh, would be proud of the way you're carrying on with your business. Thank you. I shall dress casually. Great. Right, well, um, call me on the usual number when you for when the deal's done. Just let me know it's all gone through, okay? Not a problem. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. And he hangs up. Well, I'm off out, guys. So, um... See you later. Ta-ta for now. Um, <laughs> so I'll call my dog and I guess I'll try and follow the scent of the vagrant for an hour before I go to the meet okay well um, I've got to go out to uh, attend to a first so I'll I'll accompany you if you're looking for any company yeah okay so you go can you make me a a wits a a wit survival roll, and I'm going to give you a a two dice bonus because you've got the dog not helping you track basically. Okay. Uh, sorry. So wits survival survival, and the modifier is two. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that'll do it. It's a messy critical, whatever that means. <clears throat> okay. Wow. As we've uh, as we've seen before, a messy critical is when you succeed, but your beast has sort of tainted the result or caused a complication in some way. I was going to see if that's on my on my cheat sheet. Otherwise, I'll have to look it up. Doesn't look like it is. Oh no, here we go. Messy critical. Uh, page 207. So, as we said, messy critical, you could gain one or more stains. So, how you've gone about this has like, affected your humanity potentially. You could breach the masquerade. So, you've demonstrated some sort of vampiric style to a, a mortal or someone not of the blood. You could temporarily lose a dot from an advantage, if you think of a way of working that in. Or if you want none of the above, you could simply say, it's just a straight failure. Um, can you explain the second one to me? Yeah, the, you breach the masquerade. So the masquerade is... No, sorry, not that one, the, the, the lose a dot one. That was, I didn't really oh yeah, you, you could lose a dot in advantage. So let's say you've got like resources three. You could like lose a dot in resources, 
but obviously you need to work out like how as a result of your sort of bestial action you've lost that resource so let's say you had a, a level one contact you might say like oh i've uh, i've displayed like my vampire side to like my contact and it's like freaked him out he doesn't want anything to do with me so you like you lose that oh, okay. contact there's still okay um so i think i'll i think i'll take the straight up failure okay not a problem so you spend quite a while searching around you've got um franco with you you've got your dog you you do indeed manage to follow the trail however it comes to a dead end at the side of one of the canals so it's almost like the guy ran up to the canal and just like jumped in like the trail literally goes right to the very edge and then stops because it gets to the water okay cool so I, after that i will head to the meeting with arnold okay so Franco, obviously you've been with Hugo while you've been following this trail. It's got to the water's edge. Franco's going to head off. Sorry, uh, Hugo's going to head off and go to his meeting. As Hugo heads off, what are you planning to do? Uh, well, I'm in the in the situation where I need to find uh, some blood, so I'll be uh, looking for a, a suitable victim once again. Okay, and what method are you going to use to, to locate a victim? Are you literally just like grabbing someone and feeding on them? Are you trying to like find someone like passed out in an alleyway? Or are you trying to like blend in with a crowd of tourists so you can like nip a bit of blood off somebody while they're like partying? Just give us like the rough stealthy. sketch. Yeah, stealthy as possible. Uh, it's always a stealthy thing. So looking for the person on their own, uh, the sort of dark alleyway, the person that's slightly uh worse for wear maybe okay so make a dex stealth roll mm -hmm. okay two successes so you have located somebody and i've just used the uh, the random victim wrong so as you're walking through the streets of castello you are eventually drawn by the sound of a of a gentle sobbing and as you follow the sound through the winding cobbled streets of venice the back alleys you it eventually opens up into one of the the many smalls of little like squares you know there's a few benches they're, they're quite popular with tourists and you see a young woman she's obviously not a local by her manner of dress she's sat on a, a bench so sort of gently sobbing to herself there is what appears to be a it must have once been like a bouquet of flowers but it's been like strewn across the ground in front and like discarded almost like thrown down on the ground and she's sitting there with a what looks to be a cheap bottle of white wine, a screw top with the top off it, and there's a bit of snot running down her nose. She's sobbing to herself and occasionally breaks off a sobbing to take like a glug of this. 
this wine. I assume you don't speak English. Um, yeah, I do actually. You do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, she, she breaks off. She's obviously like a little bit drunk. She occasionally breaks off and she sort of has a bit of a shout. And you're able to gather from the sort of snatched sobs and shouts as you sort of approach stealthily unseen that she appears to have been sort of stood up or dumped by her her other half. Uh, originally, they were supposed to meet here. They were supposed to have like a nice date, you know. He was going to bring her some flowers. She was going to bring him some wine to drink. And he basically chose to stood her up. She she like dashed the, the flowers out of his hand and basically told him where to go. And now he's left. She sat there sort of sobbing to herself and like drinking this wine to sort of dull her sorrows. She just sat on this bench in this little square on her own, sort of t- tears running down, sort of drying on her cheek, and like a bit of snot running out of her nose. She's like sobbing and like drinking this wine. Is it quite well lit though, where this is, or not really? To be honest, oh okay. It, it seems like they were basically looking for somewhere discreet to meet up. Maybe they were planning to go on to somewhere else, and then obviously things blew up and. He's he's stormed off or disappeared off, and she's just like plonked herself down on this bench and is like drowning her sorrows. Okay. Uh, well, I'm gonna yeah. Obviously, quite hungry at this point. I'm gonna try and stealth up behind her. Indeed. Yeah, and you've succeeded on your role. You don't have to make any further roles. So yeah, she's she's obviously very distracted by her own sort of feelings of sorrow at the minute, and the slightly intoxicating effects of this, what you can now smell as you get closer, very cheap wine. So like su- supermarket sort of bargain bin wine. And you, you easily like creep up behind the bench. She doesn't appear to have heard you whatsoever and she's just sort of drinking out of this wine bottle. Um, yeah, and driven by my hunger, then I shall uh, look to take a bite of a neck okay yep that is not a problem you bite into a neck immediately she sort of goes limp under the effects of the kiss as your fangs sink in and this sort of predatory bliss washes over her as part of the badges to the vampires used to hunt their prey and incapacitate them and her her arms sort of fall down by her side the the bottles are still like limply gripped in her hand, but it's just like gently chinks onto the floor and rolls away as her arms just sort of fall down. And you're sort of basically holding either side of her arms to like steady her so she doesn't just like slide off the bench. Okay, how much of your hunger are you looking to to slake from this individual? Um, two dots. Two dots, okay. So and that will take a scene that's the most you can the most you can take from a human without it harming them however mm-hmm. in this situation because you are so hungry and due to the effects of the liquor in her bloodstream which will obviously affect you mm-hmm. i'm going to ask you if you can make me a what did i ask you to make for the the frenzy check Janice? it was something plus a third of your willpower well, there is a frenzy roll. Uh, yeah, the the one that I rolled was willpower, which you can click the, the word willpower, and then 
need to manually add on one third of your so humanity the... rounding down, which is going to be two for everyone. So it's not that button called frenzy then specifically. Oh, it it could actually G give give it a go. We'll see what happens. Yeah. If, if it's not, we can, if it's not, we can always ignore the roll. Oh okay. yeah, it, it could. It's loads of dice. How much? How much willpower do you have? Uh, I've got six white squares. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's that, correct. That, that, that's correct. correct. Yeah. Okay, so you you drink off this this unfortunate woman. It takes a scene. You reduce your hunger by two. Okay. And she she is unharmed, although she's sort of like dazed and like delirious. And as you as you drink this this blood from her. You feel something of the an echo of the the tremendous sorrow that she is feeling, sort of washing over you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to check if that actually has any effect on you. Okay, so for until your next drink of a blood. If you make any rolls connected with either Fortitude or Obfuscate, you will get a bonus dice. As something about this blood that you have drank, the sorrow in it sort of rings true with the ability to shrug off wounds and sort of armour yourself, but also to, to disappear in an attempt to avoid future hurts. Um, and then, uh, as I sort of just slip away into the shadows, I'll just, I'll just say, there'll be another, and I'll just sort of disappear into the darkness. Nice. And you, you vaguely hear a sort of a murmur off her, but she's so sort of like dazed. You, it just sounds like mm. you, you don't know what she says, but she obviously heard you, and then you slip away unseen into the night. Your hunger sated for the moment. Hmm. Okay, so Aurelia, what are you up to? I, I guess we're gonna cut back to Aurelio talking to Alfonso. Yeah, you is... you walk into the room and he he looks up at you hopefully and he's like, uh, he obviously assumes you've you've done the communion. And he's like, he's like, oh, again, I, I can't thank you enough, Father, for, for having come here. I know it means a, a great deal to Cara being, with her health, of being able to get to church as, as she has been. And it means a lot to me as well. And he sort of like, literally like t takes hold of your hand, and he's sort of like wringing it as, in his gratitude. Yeah. And um, I'll. He says, oh, you, 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 sh you must get some more of this. Uh, you must have some of this wine, Father. You, your hands feel like a. Feel like the, uh, the the very grip of death themselves. Uh, you you catch a chill, and he sort of like, he holds this like cup with like some of this cheap red wine up to you. I'll I'll take it and uh, put it on the table. Never mind my cold hands. Here, hold yours out. And I'll, he holds out his hand. I'll uh, sprinkle the uh, the pinch of salt that I took. He looks a little bit confused. Alfonso, there's a miracle. 
uh, of the Lord that has taken place in your house. He, he, he sort of he's, he almost knocks over his chair as he sort of stumbles back a little bit, and he's like, "A, a miracle, Father? What, what, do you, what do you mean?" Your darling daughter has been saved from her suffering by the Lord. You don't mean that she's... He starts to say. Shake my head. The Lord has reached down and taken her into the heavens. He, he, he looks both sort of like confused, scared and like elated all impossibly all at the same time and he, you don't oh, even as soon as you start gesturing he literally like runs past you and he like yeah. runs up the stairs <laughs> yeah so shouting his daughter's name you hear the door you sort of reach the landing and just see throws the door open and he he looks in and you can see he's like stopped just beyond the door as he's like like looking around for for Cara and like calling out her name look she lay there. I'll motion towards the bed. He, he, he walks over and he he peels back the, the sheet and you see him sort of like touching the salt scattered on there and he looks mm -hmm. at the salt that's in his own hands. And at this point, I'm going to say you have to make some sort of manipulation <laughs> role because this, <laughs> this is quite a sell, salesman pitch you're mm -hmm. trying to do to this guy. And so... no, normally you wouldn't even get a role for this, but because he is like very religious... If you get like a very, yeah. very, very yeah. high success, you might pull it off. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're laying it on thick yeah. with two C's. I mean, no case here. We're, we're we're talking. You're gonna need <laughs> at least like five successes to, to yeah. pull this off. Let's let's go. So we're. I, doing I'm I'm open. Yeah, manipulation. I'm open to what you want to suggest for the skill. You, you might want to consider spending a willpower to get them like three extra dice. Yeah, there's subterfuge, which is the the whole of the thing here that I'm doing. So manipulation and subterfuge, and uh, we are definitely gonna put down willpower on this because uh, it's it's basically earlier uh, is relying on the fact that he's got some authority to just bullshit here right now. So. Uh, oh, I can actually put in the the difficulty here. So the modifier is going to be three from the willpower. Difficulty five. five. Subdiffuse manipulation. Okay, here we go. Wow, six successes. So Me messy, messy, critical. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about messy criticals a fair <clears> bit. <throat> so we sort of know the deal. Do, do you want a stain? Do you want to somehow breach the masquerade? Maybe lose a uh, a dot in a, a sort of an advantage you've got, or do you just want to fail? <clears throat> well, failing is not an option. So, um, uh, I would say I, if you went for a stain, it maybe it's your guilt that you've hoodwinked this good man who like yep. genuinely believes in you. Yeah, and on on that very topic, there's there's an interesting uh, sort of crossroads here. Of yeah, this is like blatant 
abuse of someone who is uh, like extremely uh, loyal and uh, I don't want to say dependent, but really like he's he's in a bad way and there's yeah. a there's he, an abusive, he's like he's like strange. a drowning man desperate for something to hold on to, to save himself. Yep, and uh, and at the same time, this is kind of Aurelio's like like abhorrent paradigm with this this whole thing. The the reason why he values Alfonso is is the, it's tied to his conviction about basically poverty and misery. Yeah, in in that age old context of suffer in this life so that you can be exalted in the next and i'll i'll toss this over to you john how do you feel about this uh, because convictions they're one of their main things is they um um sort of remove uh or rather they reduce the amount of strains you get if you do bad things in service of the conviction but in this particular case, it's the conviction is the primary motivator and it reduces the harm that comes from the thing that it's mm. causing. Because <laughs> it's the only reason why uh, all, sort of Aurelio is, is putting all these things and is okay with the disappearance of the, the daughter is because in the context here is that Alfonso is made to suffer. Like it's his fate divinely ordained as it is. Um, so it's both like causing stains. And if we so decide, maybe lessens them. Maybe the uh, sort of to get going here is um, like we, we could argue uh, the sort of gaslighting abuse here is, is pretty horrifying by human standards. So maybe because um, it's one or more stains. Yeah. Maybe maybe two. And then uh, if we feel like the... Yeah. I, I, I would, I would say two. Minuses. I would say two, but we'll sort of... We'll knock it down to one bit because you're still yeah. sort of feeling guilty about it, but you have sort of done it to, to stop this guy yeah. going through more pain, but also he's going to suffer more. So I'd say yeah. it lessens Which it a bit, is... but it doesn't completely wash it away. Yeah, and it is like by sort of more mundane morality, like it's not good. But the motivator here is is something not terrestrial. So um, it's sort of hanging on to the fact that his fate is ordained, and it is this. So yeah, he's and yeah. It's not to, great for him, but you know. Yeah, and to explain to anyone watching, or and just to clarify for ourselves here. The way stains work is you accumulate them, and at the end of the session, you make a roll based on the difference between your stains and humanity. And if you fail that roll, your humanity degrades. If you succeed, you feel guilt over your actions, but your humanity is preserved. Now, stains the amount of stains you get. I mean, if it's just like something like fairly sort of minor, you might get one one level of stain. If it's something like big like this, like effectively you've just like sold someone on the fact their daughter's been like transubstantiated then you may get like two or three. But if you're acting in the service of your touchstones or some of your convictions, so basically you're like, I'm doing wrong, but I'm sort of doing it for the greater good, that can lessen the amount of the level of the stain you would get. So whereas Johannes would have probably been getting two or three for this, 
because he's doing it to like preserve the life of his touchstone, the uh, Alfonso Salvetti, and also he's trying to sort of prevent him from killing himself, basically, as far as he's concerned. That sort of knocked it down to a level one stain. But yeah, he, he literally falls on his knees by the side of the bed and he's like clasps his hands together in prayer and he's like, praise the Lord, it's a miracle. She has been spared all the pains of flesh and is now with God. He, he, he looks up at you like tears freely flowing down his cheeks and he says, it's a, it's, it's wonderful, Father. I, I, I don't know what to say uh, to, to, to know that she'll be she'll be up in heaven with my my dear departed wife and she'll be she'll be she'll be spared the pain of her illness it's and i have i have you to thank for it i i have no doubt father no we we thank god for this miracle not me i am but a man okay however i'm gonna say since you've got a messy critical and you've got those stains mm -hmm. That, mm -hmm. as you say, like, oh no, it's 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 God, it's not me. You can see that, like, although he nods, you can tell mm -hmm. by the way he's like, he doesn't believe it. Yeah, he's basically like, oh, she's been suffering for like months and months and months, and like nothing happened. No doctors could do anything. Then, you, then like his favorite priest has rocked up, and God's been like, mm -hmm. oh, now I'm paying attention, and has like shazammed her away to a mm -hmm. to a heavenly reward. So you tell that from like the glint in his eyes that like. He basically believes that you've like saved his daughter and ushered her yeah. into heaven. Yeah. I'll I'll get his hand and I'll say As the scriptures tell us, we are indeed the salt of the earth. And your daughter was worthy. I will leave you to contemplate the word of God. Okay, yes, Father, of course. I'll spend all night praying and thanking God for this miracle. Um, I'll I'll get to, like shuffle off to the door because I'm very anxious to get away so that I don't lose control. Uh, and I'll I'll turn back at the door as a. Remember, Alfonso, in the midst of your prayer, to, to, to drink and eat as well. Yes, yes, of course, Father, of course. He says, oh, and, and, and in, as you're walking out, you hear him say, and, and in the morning, Father, I shall, I shall be straight, straight to the church to, to again thank God for this miraculous blessing. Th th thank you again, Father. Thank you. And you hear that voice fading as you're. Yeah, I, I just, I hurry away because yeah. I'm like, because all the way through the bullshitting, it's basically like. <laughs> yeah, and it's like mm, no, no, no. We need, we need to go. <laughs> okay, so what's your uh, what's your plan after you leave? Uh, I I will I will go to the cemetery because I need to I need to deal with this. Okay, not a problem. So you start heading to the cemetery. So yeah. I'm gonna now jump to our our favorite two uh two thugs. On the run, Sonia and uh, Hugo. So, it doesn't take you long, the two of you, as you go to your respective uh, 
meetings, it doesn't take you long to realise that you're both being summoned to the same place. Yep. Like I say, the the sort of poor back streets of San Polo. And I'm going to ask, can one of you, doesn't matter which one of you, can you roll me a D10? Yeah, I'm happy to. Okay. Let's see if we get a one or a two. Okay, no. Yeah, so four. Basically, if you'd have got a one, I'd have said you bumped into Aurelia as you were like, because you're both in the same sort of area. But no, you don't. I mean, it's pretty unlikely anyway. But um, it doesn't take you long to realise that the two of you are being summoned to the the same sort of back street in San Polo, where you meet up with the small-time criminal Arnold Capressi, who obviously you know Hugo is a, a criminal contact of yours. He's a small-time art thief who harbours the dream of one day getting you know that big score that's going to sort of like get him that well-respected reputation. Meanwhile, obviously, Sonia, you have been asked by your contact, Uberto Scarpace, who is a fixer. He basically arranges meetings with people, yep. you know, puts criminals in touch with buyers, but he never gets like directly involved himself. It's all done over the phone. That's how he stays out of trouble. But, um, yeah, it doesn't take you too long as you're sort of basically like, oh, yeah, we're both going to go to a meeting. And then you're like, oh, we we, we both appear to be walking down the same streets towards the, uh, the same place. So on your way there, do you guys chat or you, do you like, have any discussion about the fact that like, you're both obviously going to the same place? What do you what's, the, what's the score, Ugo? Uh, I didn't get any details really. I just <clears throat> um, we do favors for each other from time to time, and he just asked me to watch his back during this particular meeting. Um, not expecting any violence or anything to go wrong. It feels like just a quick few books. Well, I do recommend that you probably go ahead of me when okay. we get nearer because, um. If anybody suspects anything, it's all going to go wrong. Okay. Well, I'll walk Okay. So, yep, you hand it down the, to the arranged meeting point, and you see Arnold Capressi stand there. Now, like I say, he's a, he's a small-time art thief. Obviously, he's a criminal contact of yours. So what, what does Arnold Capressi look like, Hugo? Um, I think he looks like a um, what would you say? Um, like a hipster. I think he's wearing like dungarees with one of these um hipster hats, you know, with the the brim, um, and wearing like a real long, um, ridiculously long coat that kind of goes down to his ankles, um, and everything screams like um wannabe everything about him screams wannabe okay yeah wants to be a gangster wants to be an artist wants to be a i understand what wants uh, to be the big man about town yes <clears throat> okay yeah so you see him stood there unlike his normal sort of like cocksure easy stylings he's looking a little bit nervous you can see he's got a basically like a hessian sack next to him which has like a 
a sort of roughly bowling ball sized shape object in it it's tied at the top with twine he's he's obviously like he's basically sat on a bench with the with the hessian satellite between his legs just in the shadow of the bench and uh, he looks up and like gives you the as he sees you okay um and we've done this a few times does he feel like he's always this nervous or he feels exceptionally nervous this time he, he doesn't feel exceptionally nervous you know that despite his facade of being like oh i'm the i'm the big time sort of criminal he's actually like not been doing this for, for very long and he's quite small time you know that like he, he sort of he gets off on the excitement of all this a little bit but also he's quite nervous because there's like he's a small fish in a very big pond and like if he if he doesn't play straight or he messes anyone around like he could end up floating in one of the canals so he's okay. he's always like I say he sort of gets off on the thrill of this sort of thing but he's also always very nervous because he like he doesn't want to put a foot wrong okay um so i will you're sitting on the bench you said yeah um so I'll just kind of sit down beside him and kind of tap him on the knee and just tell him to relax. He's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, look, and he looks, he looks at his watch. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, the, the the buyer should be here in the next uh, the next ten or so. And while this conversation's going on, uh, where are you, Sonia? Are you still hanging back in the the shadows, or are you have you sort of walked out as well? No, I'm, I'm going to hang back a bit. Give it about ten minutes before I catch up. Okay, so so as you're sort of chatting to him, you go. He says, uh, "Looks as well." Says, "Yeah, the buyer should be here in about uh, ten, fifteen minutes." He says, uh, "He says, oh, uh, he says, uh, I, I was told Scarpace told me to, you know, send someone along as well to to make sure to like, overlook the deal and make sure everything went okay." But I've not seen anybody. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. He, he says, "Well, he says." To, to, to be honest, I'm glad you're here. I was starting to get a a, a little bit nervous, sat here all on my own with the with, with this here. As oh, soon, yeah. no, soon, soon as the handover okay. takes place, the, the the happier I'll be. Yeah, well, just try and relax and don't get too anxious, so you don't spook anyone. Okay, okay. And uh, as as you're having that chat, both you and Sonia, with your sort of increased vampiric hearing. Caprassi doesn't seem to have like noticed it yet. You all hear like multiple footsteps from like the other end of the the street, sort of converging on the area where you are. They're not like running or moving particular urgency. It's just like you can hear like what sound like relatively like sharp footwear. You know the sort of cl distinctive clack that it makes on the cobbles walking down the street. The two of you would estimate there's maybe half a dozen people from like the footsteps you're hearing. And as you watch, you see what appears to be a, a middle-aged man with a moustache. And he's got four people with him who are obviously like heavies. They're sort of thickly muscled, well set. Although they're not like carrying guns or anything, because that's very obvious. You see a couple of them have got like some distinctive bulges in their jackets. So it wouldn't surprise you to know they've got like knives or stuff like that, like tucked under their coats. The, the middle-aged man walks up, he's got a... He's got like a sort of tan coloured, like light brown coat on. Again, like one of the, the wide brimmed hats, which are quite popular around here. He 
walks over his man sort of take up positions around the bench and he sits down next to you and uh, Caprassi. And he doesn't mince words. He he looks over at Caprassi and he says, uh, "And you?" And he says, um, "He says, which of you is Caprassi?" And he sort of strokes his moustache a bit. At which point, uh, Caprassi says, um, "That that's me." He says, "You want the soul?" At which point, uh, Caprassi says. Uh, says yeah and he basically like reaches under the between his legs under the bench and he slides the sack over so it's now under the legs of this moustached man at which point moustached man reaches down lifts up the sack just sets it and he this guy's like cool as a cucumber compared to Capressi. he was trying to keep a lid on it but he's pretty nervous this guy looks like he's done this a thousand times He's not even like breaking a sweat. He puts this thing on his lap like he's looking at his lunchbox. Unties the top of this sack, looks in. He sort of jiggles the sack around a bit. Like obviously he's trying to move whatever's inside and get a bit of an all-round look at it. And then he says, "Seems fine." He wraps up and ties up the sack again. Passes it to one of his men. He like walks in and like picks it up under his arm. He turns around to one of his other men and says, uh, give him his money. At which point, one of these guys takes out from one of the bulges under his jacket, takes out what appears to be a very small, almost like a kid's sort of backpack. And he, he puts it down on the, the bench. The man with the moustache says, well, if you want to, if you want to check it, Mr. Caprassi, I'll wait, but I assure you it's all there. Which would Caprassi like as a quick look, and you, you see, although you don't see into the bag unless you like deliberately look over, you go, No, you see like his eyes wide a bit, and then he quickly like zips up this little satchel. And he says, uh, His voice are like cracking a bit with obviously like the um, the sort of worry and the the excitement now that he's like, Oh, it's nearly dealt with. He's like, oh, Um, yeah, 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 that, that'll that'll looks fine, and but Mr., it's probably not not wise for me to give you my name um, but uh, perhaps we'll perhaps we'll do business again in the the future and he he stands up and says well boys I think we should leave and without another word he and the his four heavies including the one who's like carrying the hessian sack start making their way out of this uh, this back alley in the direction they came a few minutes later you hear the sound of a small motorboat start up as they get into their vehicle and they start heading off down one of the many canals of Venice. There's a, an audible like, <sighs> as Capressi finally like, lets out a, a sigh of relief, He's still sort of like clutching this like quite quite comical looking sort of like kids like backpack to his chest, and he, he sort of sags visibly as all the sort of strain and like nervous energy just drains out of him now the deal's been done he, he, he looks over at you and he says, uh, says uh, th- 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 thanks again Hugo much, uh, much appreciated so like I say uh, Scarpace was supposed to be sending someone but well I'm, I'm glad you turned up because it doesn't look like they have yeah oh, I'll have to worry everything seems to have gone off without a hitch um, Seems like it, and he uh, 
he he takes he reaches inside the the bag he takes out a a wad of like euros where like a, they've still got like the little sort of like bit of paper around them and he sort of holds it out to you I'll just take it and put it in my coat. He thank says, you very much. He says, no, he says, no, thank you. He says, uh, I, I owe you one. If there's anything I can do to repay you, let me know. But, yeah. uh, well, I've, I've, I've probably lingered here a bit too long. Uh, I, I, I'm going to hot foot it out of here and uh, go and put this somewhere safe. He says, he like shoulders the like, backpack on one shoulder and then he, he looks around and he basically like, takes off at a jog through the streets. Okay. So I will walk back towards Sonia and I guess find her and say it looks like it went off at a hitch. Yeah, I'm probably just stood literally around the corner of the building out of sight. I was only going to come in if uh, something happened. Indeed, it all seems to have gone pretty much without a hitch. The two of you meet up what's the plan well we better try and find um the rest of this merry band yes okay which one of them's got a phone (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm going to assume for the for the sake of like convenience that you've probably all got like 2012 mobile phones and, and you've got each other's numbers Unless for any particularly pressing reason someone doesn't want to have one, just because it will make it easier for you guys to like keep in touch. Uh, I will call Aurelio then. Okay, I'd love to know what Aurelio's um, mobile phone ringtone is. <laughs> no, no, it's it's permanently on silent. Okay. It it has never rung once uh, after he got it. So, uh, and well, you would know this. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so, Maybe a message. <laughs> yeah, but now, now he knows that we're trying to reach him, so at least yeah. is that. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, and then so I'll call Franco. So, what message do you leave for for Aurelio? Learn to answer your fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So roll roll me a d10, Aurelio, and then obviously you ring Franco. Do you have your phone turned on with like a ringtone, Franco, or like vibrate or something like that? Uh, no, it just it'll just have the default, whatever the default ringtone is. Yes, yeah, so you got like the, the Nokia tune. Yeah, starts going off. Yeah. and it will take him a few rings to realise that. Oh, that's my phone. But yeah, he'll answer it. Okay. What do you say, Sonia? Where are you, Franco? Uh, I was walking back to home. Okay, we'll meet you there then. Okay. And then when I've said that, I shall hang up and then phone my contact and say everything went without a problem. Okay. So with your with your roll of two on a D10, Johannes, I'm going to say that at some point after the next two minutes of real time, you'll sort of like glance at your phone and be like, oh, what's this symbol mean? And then at any point after that, you can choose to like listen to the message uh-huh. as you see fit. Yep. Okay, so you ring your contact, uh, Scarpace, and he's a. Uh, 
He's like, yeah, who, who is it? Guess who? Sonia. Sonia, how's my, how's my favorite leg breaker doing? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Unfortunately for me, no legs to break this evening, but everything else for you went without a problem. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. And now, obviously, we we can decide this between us. How do how do you normally get paid for your services to Scarface? Does he just like arrange favors for you? Does he like put money in a bank account? I, I just take the favors. I don't really need the money. Okay, in which case he says, uh, "Well, as as usual, Sonia, uh, I'll uh, I'll mention." How useful you've been next time I see your family. But uh, if you need anything from me, you've got my number. There is one thing I do need. What's that? I feel the need to beat up on somebody for a while, so a sadist would be fantastic. He says, uh, just give me a little time to root around and he sort of chuckles. I'm, I'm sure I can find someone who, uh, who needs your, uh, your particular brand of... Uh, exercise that would be fantastic i'll send you a text once i've checked my uh my little red book thank you ciao ciao right we're gonna meet franco back okay. at home um aurelio we know is somewhere in the wind okay and speaking of that as you guys head back to home Aurelia, you've you're heading to a cemetery, or you're heading to the cemetery. Yeah, the cemetery, and uh, we'll we'll be uh, making a play for uh, sort of fresh plot. <laughs> Given that anyone who who's a local who dies in the city is buried mm -hmm. on San Michel, pretty much as it's it's practically written into the sort of health and safety ordinance of the city. And you know that this goes back years since after the the great plague of like 1575 they became terrified that there'd be another plague and they're like oh we can't have corpses or people buried on the main island it might cause another plague unwholesome vapors and it sort of got writ written into the the venetian constitution that anyone who is physically capable of being moved to the, the graveyard isle of um, san michel will be moved there so it doesn't take you long to find a recently buried plot. Uh, it's not the first time I've been here doing this, so uh, I'll scavenge a uh, shovel and look for a window of time where there is not a lot of folks around, and yeah, get get to work. On Earth, yeah, takes you a little bit of time, but you, you dig up a body. Yeah, you you, you all, deliberately all go for uh, one of the sort of poorer looking graves, and so you haven't got like a really like heavy wooden coffin to like break into. Yeah, yeah. and uh, as as long as I can get like access to the body itself, that's yeah. fine. Um, and. Uh, It's, it's good eaten. Um, 
and I roll it by hopefully clicking somewhere on here. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, wouldn't you know it? Messy critical. It's, it's, it's a messy critical. <laughs> okay. Um, I will say that this is probably a. Um, This has to be uh, a masquerade breach, right? Well, that's absolutely fine by <laughs> me. So, so now, yeah. obviously, just seeing you like digging up a corpse wouldn't be enough. Mm -hmm. that's, that's technically that, that's grim, but it's technically not a masquerade breach. So, presumably, mm -hmm. someone has seen you like literally like drinking blood. Yeah, out of this interfere corpse. with the corpse yeah. uh, afterwards. Like that. That's the like what. <laughs> So what I'm going to say is, you, you've dug up this uh, this pauper's grave. Effectively, mm -hmm. you're you're slurping the the cold, semi congealed blood from its collapsed veins. When you hear a gasp as one of the one of the mourners, perhaps wasn't comfortable with being in a crowd, sort of turned up late, just planning on like laying some flowers on the grave, and you hear. The sort of soft sort of swish of the flowers as they fall to the floor from shocked and frightened hands and you look up to see a a younger lad he must be sort of 15 16 he's these these flowers have dropped out of his hand and he's like with like fear and horror as as he looks across expecting to see this grave he's going to lay the flowers on and he actually sees this this pallid vampire sort of cradling this corpse, its face buried in the neck, sort of slurping blood from the body, and he lets out a, a loud scream as he sees you and immediately starts sort of like running in the opposite direction. As best as I can, while maintaining that uh, speed is of importance now to disappear. <laughs> um, Again, probably not the first time I've tried to do something like this, but um, quickly close up the the wounds. There's probably not like a lot of seepage because the no. blood will be inert, let's say, let's say congealed. So um, just to close up the damage so yeah, that there's no fine. holes on the on the body, and then. Actually, it's pretty clean eating, right? Aside yeah. from like my own face, maybe, but like uh, otherwise, uh, like. <laughs> Obviously, most vampires would consider it extremely unpleasant. It's mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of uh, someone who's like normal blood is the equivalent of a lovely sort of three course banquet set out on a table in front of you. Whereas for you, you're like, actually, I just want to leave that like sat in the open for about a month and then I'm going to eat it. Is that all right? And most vampires would be like, Ugh. oh no, that, that that's rancid. What? <laughs> yeah, no. Um... <clears throat> I will try to make it look like it was a case of someone broke in to rob the corpse. Like, as a, like, steal their stuff, anything inside the coffin. Yeah, that's fine. There's, there's not really that many personal possessions inside the coffin. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you sort of, like, rough it up a bit and stuff like that. Which, which is actually, uh... Hmm. I'll put like a, uh i'll get because that's the kind of person aurelia is uh i'll, I'll get my uh 
um, leather strapped, like old school watch, uh, just quickly uh, put it on the corpse <laughs> and okay. put it uh, like in such a way that it looks like it's Some, someone's someone trying to pull slide. it off and got disturbed. Yeah. And I'll I'll like put it on the on the hand like this uh, and uh, sort of leave the hand outside the the coffin and then belt it. <laughs> okay. Okay, so are you chasing after this person, or are you just running? To, like, no, it's away? it's a case of let's disappear as quickly as possible because they're gonna go like, oh, someone was eating a corpse, uh, and Orly is just betting on the fact that like whoever he gets up to is gonna find it m much more credible that someone's trying to rob the corpse. Okay, not a problem. So you head off in the opposite direction, circling round, presumably as most people would do when they go to the. <laughs> To, to San Michelle, you basically paid one of the the boat men to like take you over mm -hmm. there and told him to like wait while you like paid your respects. He's, he's still there waiting. You jump back in the boat. He starts pulling you back across towards Castello. So, I don't think we've ever actually talked about it in any game. Um, how much is that? Uh, from a a corpse, don't have to worry about killing them. Then again, how much do they have? The, the way the way I would look at it is basically if you if you're sort of slaking your hunger at the level where it would harm a human, that's basically mm -hmm. on a corpse. It's like oh, how much damage are you doing to the body? Because obviously. Mm -hmm. A normal human body has the ability to repair itself. A corpse mm -hmm. doesn't. So basically, if you if you're like, oh, if this was a human, I'd have drained and killed them. I'd have said like, basically, you're you're having to put such effort into like draining the congealed blood out of this body, you've like damaged the body. Mm -hmm. So the regular bit is what two? Two, yeah. Safe, safe for. Yep. So I say if you, if you take up to two. That means basically there's no damage to the body. You've licked yeah. the wound. It's covered. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you can lower your uh, your hunger by two. And what's your plan as you pull back to? Uh, <laughs> back on the boat, I'll uh, I'll just send a text message. It's just... Uh, home, question mark. Okay, so... The other, the rest of the three of you have met up back at the communal haven. You just sort of like you finish greeting each other. You like sat down when you get a text message, Sonia, that obviously from a radio, and it just says "home?" Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. You get a text back that says "yeah." I remember what text messages cost back in twenty twelve. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I will head there as well. Okay, not a problem. So, but I will not reply to yeah. the affirmation. Okay, so you go, Franco, Sonia. You've all met up at the communal haven. You know, Aurelio's on his way, but we know it's going to take him a little bit of time to get there. So, what are you guys doing at the the communal haven? Okay, so that's that taken care of, um, Franco. What? What are you going to do with all this computer stuff? 
was going to talk to one of my contacts. Um, see if we can try and get into one of these laptops or open it up, see what's inside. Don't you just push the button on the side? Ah. And it opens. Sonia, the, these things, these devices, they've all got these passwords and security features. Uh, so. I will just stare at him blankly. Is that, what, what are you on about? <laughs> wow, that's why that's why we have these contacts, so we can uh, let the experts deal with such matters. But uh, it's it's intriguing what this competition or. Uh, well, yeah, I guess it's a competition or... Have you looked into this company this, that sponsors it? Well, like I say, I thought that there'd be more information on this, this these vast number of computers. Well, if, if we know the company name, you can start something else, you know, you can look at that whilst waiting for the information. Well... If I hadn't, if I hadn't have uh, had to go and uh, had a had a drink, I'd have probably seen my contact by now. Okay, uh, so are you planning on getting in touch with your contact now, or? Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah, I'll use my phone to while we're waiting. Okay, and who is this contact? Uh, what's this? Uh, it's on the sheet. It's Nico. Nico Albano. Albano. Yeah. He's my contact guy. Does he look like Steven Seagal? <laughs> if you want him to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just uh, give him a ring while I'm waiting and see if he can help me with some uh, computers, laptops. Okay, and what sort of what sort of like relationship do you have with a uh, Nico Albano? If you had to like give me like a very sort of capsule description of him in like a sentence, how would you describe him? Um, Obviously, we know he's like pretty well off. Yeah, well, uh, I'm pretty well off. So he he talks in money. So you know he's he's good friends with me because we both got money. Uh, and he, he potentially overcharges, but he always gets the job done. So it's a good working relationship because I always get what I need, and he always feels like he's getting well rewarded. So and I, ass I assume, given that you're planning on contacting him about this, he's he's got some sort of influence or knowledge in the sort of technical field of things. Well, he seems to have his fingers in all the pies. You know, if he don't know it. He knows someone that does, and he'll just take a cut, you know. Okay. So you you phone Nico Albano, and he's like, he's like, Franco, how you doing? Good. Yourself? He's like, oh, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, closed a few deals today, made a made a pretty penny into the bargain. Uh, how's the world of business treating you? Uh, same as always, it's uh, steady. He says, "Oh, he's like that bad." He says, uh, "says steady's not sexy, Franco." He's like, y "You've got to, you've got to speculate to accumulate, Franco." He's like, 
if you're not moving up, you're standing still. And if you're not standing still, you may as well be dead. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's how you look at it. But uh, He says, hey, he says, it's kept my bank manager happy all these years. Yeah, that certainly is the case. I'll, um, I haven't got time for a lot of chit-chat today. I've got uh, got something that maybe something you can help me with. I've got a number of laptops. All right, and, okay. Uh, I seem to have, shall we say, forgotten the passwords to. All right, I get you. And I was I was trying to gain access and uh, have a little look. He says, "Hey, he says, yeah, he says, hey. he says, mind you, uh, some of these laptops nowadays is like." Phew, yeah, he says I could, I could probably get a guy, but uh, he says it's not going to be cheap to uh, to like f- force our way into a to, to a secure laptop. Uh, he says, but well, if you if you if you've got the money, Franco, I, I I know a guy I can I can make a few calls. You, you know, I'm good for it. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. He says, uh, how urgent is it? Do you need do you need looking at now in a week? What are we talking? Well. I was hoping that you'd be able to have a look at it, let's say, tomorrow. It's late now. He says, yeah, yeah, he says, uh, look, I'll tell you what, he says, uh, there's a guy who uh, owns a uh, owns a shop in the uh, the, the Rialto. He, uh, he, he caters to tourists mainly who are having like, trouble with their cameras and uh, their laptops and their phones. You know, the normal sort of bullshit that tourists are, are worried about. But um, this, don't pay attention to that. His shop's gaudy as all hell, but don't worry about that. He he really knows his stuff. So uh, he says, uh, I'll give you the address. He says, drop it off there. Let them know that I sent you. And then they'll get it sorted for you. Okay. He says, uh, he says they're open from uh, nine to five most days. And what is, uh, outside of this conversation, what is the daylight hours currently, this time of year? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's winter, so it gets dark pretty early. Although, like, like five is, like, cutting it a bit fine. Yeah. Well, if, if you could ask your man uh, to just hang around a bit tomorrow, I should be able to get to him by half five. It's like, he says, says, I can do, but he's, he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna want the time and a half. I'll, I'll, I'll sort that out. All right, no problems. So like, what sort of time do you want me to tell him to hang around to? Half five. Half five. Yeah, All right, no problems. Anything else? Oh, that's it for now. It's good to talk to you. Okay. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And uh, you know, if you ever decide you uh, you want to get off the fence and start uh, making some real money, like come and come and talk to me. Maybe we can maybe maybe we can slide you in on a few deals. You know, get you a bit of a leg up. You know, like I say, you, you can't you can't stagnate in this game. You've got to you got to keep moving up, up, up. Yep. Well, you'll be the first to hear if. Uh... Looking for a change. 
All right, Franco, take care. I'll speak to you soon. problems so by the time that's all sorted out because we've condensed that conversation by the time that's sorted out it's just about when you're arriving back at the the communal haven Aurelia and it's over to you guys Aurelia where have you been to attend to the flock. Of seagulls? Lamentably, the uh, seagulls have yet to develop a proper appreciation of God's words, but one can only hope. No, it is the, uh, the mortals of our fair city that I speak of. And I have been looking into uh, uh, Palladio, the architect as well. Though okay. I Anything... do not have much to report at this time. I have located his grave, but uh, I'm still looking into the man. Okay. You know, it is hard to protect you if you go all the way I load. Well, one hopes that protection would not be strictly necessary at all times. But I take note of your concern. So, Franco's got some laptops. We don't know. And um, Hugo's just been doing business. So, other than the unwanted guest this morning, not a lot's happened. Unwanted guess. We had a strange ranting blind man knocking at the door this morning. I think he seemed to think I was his lord or somebody's lord, and he was trying to get me out of the out of the house. Never did really get to the bottom of what it was about. As a police officer interrupted us and uh Hugo and myself didn't manage to track him down uh, before his business started and, and where's this man now well as I say we haven't been able to find him not with the police then no well, he, he headbutted a policeman and ran off yeah, the policeman said he hasn't managed to track him down either. I think he's quite a distinctive fellow. You know, 
I think we'd recognise him if we saw him, certainly. Unless anyone has any pre-existing arrangements, I don't see how a strange blind man would come to knocking on our door. Did well. the police say he jumped back in the canal? No, the uh, the police officer said that uh, he basically managed to outrun them. Yeah. And obviously, so, um, Franco would know that like it was quite some distance away. The trail led up to the edge of the canal, so it's possible. He sort of gave the police the slip and then jumped into the canal. So he was a rather sprightly, quite strong blind man. Only when being chased up. He wasn't strong or sprightly when he was dealing with Franco. Still quite an intriguing character to be able to run away from someone at such a pace yeah. if if blind and also the water that dripped off him while he was fiddling with the lock all very bizarre and run to which direction well he basically headed in a roughly sort of western direction towards like the nearest uh, canal so basically he would have sort of from your communal haven which is here he sort of ran to this canal here sort of via numerous back alleyways before apparently jumping into this canal well I suppose unless anyone wants to go dive in the Canals. Uh, we'll have to. He did mention an order, but he didn't name it, did he? He said, "Me and my members of the order, or fellows of the order, or something like that." But no, he I was, was slowing the police down outside. He was. Uh, was he did a monk? Priest. He did smell quite drunk, as well. Yeah, because he made a lot of noise. The police turned up, so. Um... We have to defuse the situation very quickly. For the next so, two weeks, the police will be on patrol in the area. Everybody's been told. Well, this is less than ideal. Having the police in increased numbers. Well, they're concerned uh, about crime in the area, so... A ranting, blind, drunk man did this. I believe it's a time to have a word with our tenants, by which I mean our two fellow coteries, hmm. both about the increased police presence and uh, if they have perhaps seen a blind drunk man around we also need a camera outside I think so we can see who's outside no. without going outside 
I can sort that out tomorrow when I see uh, this tech, this tech contact. I can purchase a camera. It sounds like a wonderful idea. I believe I shall go and talk to uh, the tourists. How long have we got? Oh yeah, what's the time of day? None of this stuff you've done has taken particularly long, so I would say we're probably on about 11. Oh, let's go and knock on the tourist door then. Okay. So... You're going to try and track down the the anarch mm -hmm. country known as the Taurus. So, since we're sort of we're doing a little bit of setting building here, I'm going to sort of throw this a bit open to you guys to basically sort of what's your normal way of contacting the your tenants. Effectively, these are the coteries. I mean, is it just? old-fashioned that like we ring them up on the phone do, do you leave like a dead letter drop well the um tourists will probably send a blackberry message to them <laughs> it's, it's they're american <laughs> so we have to fire up the old bbm jeez okay it's grim that's that's the true world of darkness <laughs> Okay, so the tourists, you send them a BlackBerry message. Yeah. And uh, what about a dedicated the... tourist phone? <laughs> Indeed. And what about the uh, the artist uh, Del Destino? Well, they're, they're a bit more fancy, so yeah. uh, we'll probably send them a letter. So the butler's got something to do in the mornings. <laughs> okay, no problems. So yeah, we'll assume that you've got a, a sort of regularly arranged place to like leave letters. That, that's not a problem. Because like you say, you you guys sort of like you're nodding acquaintances basically at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah you, you can send the tourists uh, with, with some of your members who like speak English. You can send them the the BlackBerry message. Or are you trying to I arrange speak English? A, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you trying to arrange a meeting for like? Obviously, the artist Del Destino, you probably won't get a meeting this evening because you've left them a letter. Um, yeah. Are you trying to arrange a meeting with the tourists this evening? or? Yeah, we'll, we'll go for this evening. Tell them it's uh, fairly urgent. Heads up. Okay, not a problem. Where, where are you going to arrange to meet them? Uh, let's have a look at the map. Uh, we'll go for the piazza, which is just east of the haven. Okay, no problems. So you arrange to meet them at the piazza. And indeed, when you presumably all head over there a short distance later, you can see that the, the tourists are there. Their leader is a... A man by the name of Raiden Scott. He's a, a thin, a lanky man who wears a sort of a sort of shortcut leather jacket. He's got a wavy sort of quaffed hair. There is a 
a young woman whose accent might lead you to believe she's American. She seems a little bit more well turned out than the rest of them. And then the final and third member is a man called Damien, who is a a rough looking guy who like looks like a hobo. He's like he's like pretty roughly dressed. Normally doesn't really say a great deal. But yeah, you you meet them at the piazza. What do you say? Get a new go. <laughs> go on, you go. In you go. Um, we bring news. Um, there has been a incident. Um, with a mortal that has startled the police. Um, this mortal was a strange mortal who knocked on our door. Um who appeared frail while trying to talk to us, but who came to life and sped away um, once the police became involved. Um, we've tracked him as far as the canal. Um, he also seemed to have a drip canal water when he was at the door. Um, so we have come to warn you about increased police presence in the area um, as a favor um, and ultimately to warn you about this individual who seems to know more about our business than we would like um, and to ask if you have perchance seen such a character blind he was with cataracts okay uh, Raiden Scott the, the leader steps forward and into English with a very faint sort of American twang to his uh, to his voice which I won't attempt to do he says uh, no I can't say I've can't say I've seen any seen any people like you described but you know thanks for thanks for letting us know about the police and whatnot. I mean we're not we're not really here to cause anyone any trouble we're just, uh, you know, we're just so uh, we're just to relax and soak up the vibes of Venice. Pete, um, well, keep your wits about you for the next number of weeks. Um, I believe that this character will return. As you're, as you're saying that. Uh, Damien, who's been sort of, like I said, looks a bit like a hobo himself, who's been sort of stood in the background with his arms folded, not really saying much. He, he sort of looks up and sort of brushes his whiskers a bit and says, I suppose it could be uh, could be one of the boat people. They're a, they're a weird sort of like cliquish lot. They're, they're always like muttering on about something. Uh, what can you tell us of the boat people? He says, well, I, I spend a lot of time. I, I like my own company every now and again. So I spend a lot of time wandering about. And I'm pretty good at pretty good at like not being seen when I don't want to be seen, if you get me. And uh, most most of the people who like 
pull the boats around Venice, you know, they're just there to make a few quick books off the tourists, they'll sing Oh Solo Mio and whatever if it gets them an extra extra few notes. But you know, they're just doing their job. I found like when you start getting into like, the poorer areas of the city though, like the that the people on the boats start getting a bit weird, you know, when you when you start dealing with like people where they're like their families have been like boat people going back and like their dad was a boat person and their dad's dad was a boat person and so on and so on. So yeah, they 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 seem a bit of a weird lot, you know, they 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 seem to like keep themselves to themselves and they they always seem to know what's going on in like any part of the city. I mean, if you want to find out what's going on anywhere in Venice, you want to uh, ask one of the boat people about it. If any, if anyone has seen seen you blind beggar man with the boat people I mean the without the boat people pretty much the city grinds to a halt I mean the, this whole place is is mostly nothing but water and um, is there any easy way to tell one these boat people from your average money grabbing he says well easiest way is if if you go up to them and you ask them for some of the the, the standard touristy like bullshit you know the old solomeos and the, the whatever if you ask them that and they flat out refuse doesn't matter how much money you offer them not most most of most of the people on the boats don't just care into tourists you offer them a bit of extra money to sing a bit of nonsense they'll, they'll jump at it the, the these old school people though they won't have any of it. Don't matter how much money you offer them. That that the way they the way they seem to see it, they're carrying on a tradition. Obviously, they they take the money because everyone needs money, but they're not doing it to like please tourists. They're doing it because, like I say, their families have been doing it for for hundreds of years in some cases. That that's how you can tell apart. And also, if they've if they've not got one of these like flashy flashy new boats you know it looks like it's it gets a nice spray down and a lick of like paint and a bit of fresh like bitumen on it like every five minutes if they've got a proper like old boat that looks old but it's well maintained that's how you'll know them okay well perhaps we will go and seek out these boat people See if they can't help us find our friend. You know, it's suddenly full silent again. At which point the 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 young woman, Valerie Reyes, who's been like I say, has a much more pronounced American accent, which again I won't try and do because it'd be awful. Says, um So uh, well we were just uh I mean there's not much of the night left, but we were just planning on uh, hitting some of the tourist spots and uh having a few drinks and you know enjoying the rest of the evening you're welcome to come and join us if you if you want i am a little thirsty perhaps we should be good neighbors great great glad glad to hear richie says i've been i've often been saying to uh to damien and to uh raiden that uh we I know, I know we're, we're we're tourists here, and I know a lot of people don't like us. And you know, yeah, we're a bit loud, we're a bit larry, but you know, we 
we're all sort of connected by blood we've all got to look after each other it, well we we enjoy ourselves i mean why not i mean given the downsides of our condition why shouldn't we at least try and get some enjoyment out of it but you know like i said we're not here to we're not here to ruffle anyone's feathers you know we're just here to enjoy ourselves and well if we cause too much well to, to, to put it plainly you, you try not to shit where you eat and and that's always been our motto yeah we enjoy ourselves yeah okay we like i said we sometimes get a bit larry we're sometimes a bit less cautious than some of the older types would like us to be but you know we we try not to rock the boat too much because we're all in the boat and if you rock it too much we all get pitched into the drink we do and as she, as she's talking she seems to exude like a pleasant sense of calm and sort of a joie de vivre that just seems to like flow off her like a, an easygoing mister her presence is you're pretty much all aware that she's probably using some sort of low level vampiric power but she's not like mentally controlling anyone she's just basically exudes like calm and like hey let's all just get along and all be nice to each other and have a good time that feeling just seems to roll off her like a refreshing mist And do you guys head out with the the tourists for a night of revelry? No, because my feeling habits a bit more noisy than theirs. That is true. I certainly am thirsty and keen to. I'm, I'm guessing. Mind. I'm guessing both Sonia and Aurelio are probably going to be like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll take a rain check on that." Aurelio would stick out like a sore thumb when an old priest on the party. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to rock this place ecclesiastic style. <laughs> Watch me drop some sick catechism. That's, that's it. <laughs> Strike up those fat organ beats. Yeah, we're going to party like this was. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's got a techno remix of. Oh, yeah. Oh, 40 yard ago, it are you? Okay. Um, Franco, are you obviously um, you guys planning to head out with the tourists? Are you? Yeah, I'm always. I always seem to be thirsty. So. Okay. So, obviously, we're, we're not going to go into the details of this night out. Basically, they, they hit a few tourist spots. There's plenty of drunken tourists about. They. They ingratiate themselves with a few of them, you know, oh yeah, we're just here to park and have a good time as well. And obviously at various points of the night they take a bit of blood from people. You two, Hugo and Franco, you would see that although the tourists sort of like they're very much into the party lifestyle, you know, they're sort of loud, like bombastic like American tourists. However, when it comes to the sort of vampire side of things, you like getting that blood, they're actually like fairly restrained. You know, you notice that, like, what they'll do is they'll sort of ingratiate themselves with, like, drunken parties of revelers, and then they'll just take, like, a little nip off a few people over the course of the evening so that it's, like, barely noticed. And the two of you can both reduce your hunger by one. As over the course of the night, you will get to 
to do a little bit of feeding. If you want to reduce it by two, you can do, but there will be a potential roll involved in that just to see if any complications occur. Whereas you can just take the one off without any roll or anything. I want to keep it short and sweet. I'm quite thirsty. I might take two. Okay, that is absolutely fine. So given the sort of revelry sort of style of feeding that's going on, we are talking a manipulation persuasion role. Because basically you're just trying to get him in like the party crowd and Okay. Uh right, this is probably not gonna go well. Oh two successes. Okay, yeah, you can knock off an extra hunger as well. Nice. As yeah, you actually you you actually find the experience sort of fairly liberating, I suppose you could say, because obviously normally you know you're sort of a bit more of a sort of solitary predator, whereas now you're sort of like you're with this group of other kindred who are just like relaxing and having a good time. No one's taking it too seriously. You, you sort of go with the flow. You maybe get a bit of an appreciation of like, oh, these, these tourists although they're a bit loud. They actually are like being fairly restrained when it comes to like not endangering themselves or other kindred or the masquerade. Like they're, they're keeping all the vampire stuff on the down low. And yeah, they they probably help you out by sort of like getting you into the swing of things and you know, sort of like helping you ingratiate yourself in with these groups of tourists. Um, you will have worked out that Valerie Reyes obviously has the vampiric discipline of presence which basically allows her to sort of broadcast uh, sort of feelings of calm and sort of aspects of her sort of personality. She can sort of turn on the whole sort of like charm thing to a ridiculous degree using this, uh, this presence ability. But again, she seems fairly restrained and she seems to mainly use it to basically help the rest of her coterie and yourself and... Uh, uh, Franco to feed their their plant their basic sort of method of feeding seems to be they find a, a big group of like revelers who are enjoying themselves and getting drunk and eating and whatnot they they sidle up to them they're like hey yeah we're hi there fellow tourists we're here to have a good time as well oh yeah let's let's share some drinks and they've like got some drinks and whatever and they they ingratiate themselves that way uh, Valerie Reyes turns on the presents soon everyone's like everyone's best friend. During the course of the revelry, you know, they carry on drinking and eating. When they've like had a fair old bit to drink, the vampires will subtly like take a little bit of blood and then eventually move on and find like another group of people and that seems to be their default method of feeding. And it seems to work pretty well. And it probably would work without Reyes being there, but certainly having her sort of using this like good time vibes presence ability certainly makes it a lot easier. But yeah, so that's what happens with you guys. And that sort of revelry will last until you know it starts getting pretty late and then they'll all start like drifting off their their respective places of rest, the uh, the tourists and likewise yourselves. So whilst that's going on and they're doing that, before we get to the end of the night and the end of the session, is there anything uh, that Sonia or Aurelio want to do with like the last couple of hours of your evening? 
or are you guys just retiring for the evening? Can't think of anything. Like I said, I'm just waiting on that message now for someone to go and beat up. Okay. Not yeah, I guess uh, uh, we might not have official business to attend to. So I'll, I, I will let um, Sonia know that I will be coming by the communal haven tomorrow night as well. But I'm for the next little while, at least, I'll be uh, in my own haven uh, for the day because I'm I'm working on the Palladio case, as it were. Okay. So it needs be I might be there, but I'll be checking in at the the communal haven as well, and that's where I'll be retiring because I need to talk to my uh, research assistant. Okay, so Sonia, you will get a text from uh, Scarpace who tells you that in Santa Croce there is a man by the name of Giuseppe Camino who is a small-time drug dealer who apparently has been cutting his product a little bit too much for, for Scarpace's liking. And since like he's set up several buys, yeah, he's worried that this inferior product is going to reflect poorly on him because he set up the buys, and he's like, obviously, I don't want him killed because Daddy's no use to me. But since you said you wanted to to work off a bit of your uh, your energy, I'd uh, I'd like it if. Uh, if you could let him know that I'm incredibly disappointed with his recent behaviour and that he should mend his ways forthwith. I will most definitely pay him a visit. Excellent. I, I look forward to, to hearing all about it. And then he hangs up. And the, the two of you are just about to go your separate ways when there is a knock on the door of your communal haven. Okay. I shall once more answer the door. You answer the door and there is a, a gentleman stood there wearing a smart three-piece suit. He's holding a, an envelope in his hand and he says, uh, I'm a... Good evening. I'm looking for. He takes out a phone from his inside pocket. I'm uh, looking for uh, Aurelio and Sonia. And you are. He smiles and then says, "Ah, yes, of course. Um, my name is uh, Lazaro Duncern." I've been sent here to deliver this. Okay, thank you. I take it you are Sonia then? I am, yes. Ah, splendid. He, he bows deeply, hands this envelope to you and then says, good evening, and he turns around and walks off. Okay. You can see it on the outside of the envelope in immaculately calligraphied writing. It says, 
Aurelio De Prospero and Sonia Mele. In flowing script. And there is like an old school like wax seal on the back of it with a little of a little black ribbon on it. Mm. Okay, Hashem. You don't think this has got any things on it, do you? Well, what it will hopefully have is merely writing, though I, I do wish they would stop putting the names on the cover. If the courier isn't smart enough to remember who he's really delivering the letter to, never, never mind, never mind. Let's see what it is. I shall, I shall crack the seal and okay. have a read. You pop it open, and the letter says, Honoured family, it has been far too long since our brothers, sisters, and cousins have gathered amidst the splendour of our ancestral homes. Now that the recent unpleasantness is behind us, I would invite you all to a gathering to take place on the evening of the 9th of January at the Ristorante a la Corone. Formal attire is expected, as is a certain level of decorum. As our attentions turn from the past to the future, we have welcomed kindred outside our own family into our ancestral home. In this spirit of renewed friendship, we extend this invite to those coterie mates of our blood who are not themselves of the blood. This message will self-destruct in 10 seconds. <laughs> of course I jest, but in all seriousness, the writing will begin to fade from this letter within a minute of you having read it. I look forward to your attendance. Yours, Romano Petroselli. Looks like I need a new dress. It occurs to me that I do not have a formal dress. We'll, we'll get you a suit. To, to, to be fair, you dress as a priest. That's about as formal as you get. Yeah, but I, I think in this instance, like, he's... I think Aurelio is thinking, like, okay, so... <laughs> so we'll like, take you is... to a tailor and uh, he'll make you a suit. And as you're discussing this, you glance down at the the letter, Sonia, and you notice that indeed the the writing has slowly started to just like fade away on the paper so, until that's yeah, got a ritual on it. After a few moments, you're you're stood there holding a blank piece of paper, and even the writing has gone off the envelope, and then the paper lit and the envelope and the wax and the ribbon literally crumble to a handful of fine ash. Mm. These are the big boys. Okay, yes, so which is, which is 9th why... of January, you need a mm. suit, I need mm. a dress. Um, yay? Uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, <laughs> not entirely. Let's just say that the, um, the clay has yet to set. There may be... Uh, some muddy eddies yet in this current that we find ourselves in. I don't expect anything else from a family that was at war very recently. And luckily for yourselves, since you're talking about 
dresses and suits etc obviously today is the the 2nd of january tomorrow is the 3rd the the date given on the letter was the 9th so you've got a fair amount of time before this takes place to make whatever preparations you see fit no no so, i'm going to make sure that um, aurelio suited and booted before the next moon <laughs> so he would have mentioned that he he's very poor when it comes to money uh and maybe we can find a like a a tailor who would be interested in giving a, a priest a free suit out of faith i don't know <laughs> one of those extremely religious tailors yeah, yeah. so if you need a suit i can i can set you up with a suit don't worry about that yeah i suppose like we i know a man upon reconvening um it would have been yeah i mean obviously like you guys can like meet up and like chat about this obviously the as you know, the invitation was effectively extended to your coterie mates yeah. as well. Yeah. Flex my four points of resources. Yeah, which would be a, like a... Unless we go for like ultra, you know, fancy, expensive stuff, like with four points, probably just get a suit off the rack all day. I'm just imagining Franco now being like, what are we talking about, like Armani? Yeah, it's like... Versace. <laughs> yeah. Which designer do you want your suit from? <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Aurelio is, uh, as it turns out, uh, just basically broke. Uh, his only value <laughs> is to be found in the word of God and perhaps a little corpse eating. Maybe um, a bit of black yeah, that, marks that is... on the side. <laughs> God and necromancy, they go together like, you know, Life Things. and death. <laughs> yeah. Jelly and peanut butter. Um, yeah, so uh, that would be something that would be uh, uh, like a slice of life situation because Aurelio doesn't really like, okay, I need a suit. I know what a suit looks like, but I don't know how to buy it. So um, there's probably a, like a body comedy situation where <laughs> Sonia takes him out to the tailors yep. uh, to get fitted, uh, etc. Okay, uh, that, that'll be a, like a because we need to arrange for that. Yeah. Uh, we can't just barge in at midnight. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I to compact. Uh, we of course let everyone know that this is an invitation that has been extended to everyone. Also, probably means that everyone will be there who is able to, um, and that might be very interesting uh, from every angle. Although it it does depend on how. And you would know this. It depends on how literal mm -hmm. the the letter's taken, because technically it's basically, oh, we want Hikata, and anyone mm -hmm. who's in a coterie with Hikata is fine. But, yeah, they're friends. But but technically, like if you're if you're, like the tourists, there's no Hikata in there, so mm -hmm. they're not on the guest list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I suppose like extended family, <laughs> so family yeah. meeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there'll, there'll be a, a bunch of interesting people coming, no doubt. So probably. So you two don't have to come because, you know. It's, it's not compulsory. You're welcome. Uh, it's an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity. 
Do we feel like there's any risk? There's always risk with this family. You see, we are not all as well behaved as Sonia here. <clears throat> you might find that certain appetites are unbecoming and certain tempers might be uh, distasteful. Might see some people being eaten. If you, I, I will say this and speak no more on the matter going forward, but if you have objections, I would endeavor to swallow them. Hmm. It'll still be enlightening or eye-opening, nevertheless. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And there should be opportunities to meet very interesting people for all of us. And I'm also going to say that since uh, you are like minted Franco and you go and Sonia since you both have like underworld connections <laughs> you would be aware that the Ristorante a la Carone is a, a restaurant in San Marco so just to the, the southwest it's sort of it's actually here and it's a it's a fairly well known place it's a some modern Mediterranean and Venetian cuisine, sort of Michelin star restaurant, effectively. You know, like multiple elegant dining rooms. It's quite, it's quite a sort of posh eatery. However, it's sort of like a really poorly kept secret that the the restaurant is reputed to be connected to the Venetian mafia via the Caron family, although like. It's never been proven, like no one's been able to prove it, otherwise the place would have been shut down. But uh, those of you with criminal contacts would know that the, the Mala del Brenta, the, the Venetian Mafia, like recently they've sort of, a number of like high-profile like people in their organisation have been like busted and arrested by the police. So like a lot of them have sort of gone to ground, but a lot of their sort of, let's call them sort of a, money laundering operations for want of a better term because it's very difficult to sort of trace them they're very good at covering their tracks a lot of places like this restaurant where they're like everyone's sort of like oh yeah there's like the, the, the mafia all up in that no one can prove it so what can they do but you you would know of the place like say it's this uh, it's like a three michelin star restaurant Yeah, so um, Armani for Aurelia. Okay, and this is where we we draw the evening and the session to a close. Obviously, we'll we'll sort out XP, humanity rolls, and whatnot in a few moments. But just going to say thanks very much for playing, guys. I hope you all enjoyed the session. And yeah, thanks, William. Thanks well to anyone who's watching. We did have someone who briefly popped into the chat. 
who basically said, I just wanted to let you know that I've really enjoyed the sessions. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Germany. So thank you very much to, to yeah, that person. Hello to Germany. I'll thank you. Then. Hello. Indeed. So we're going to wrap up the the stream here. Thanks to all my players and to anyone who's watching now or in the future. Hopefully we'll catch you for the next session. Take care.